This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey gang, what's going on? Hassan Remo here with you for another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, left one on the uh, left one last night. Only one of a possible two points. A late goal by the San Jose Sharks with the goalie pulled, and an overtime winner meant the Jets went uh, went home with only one point. Could be a costly one. We'll discuss that here from head coach Rick Bonus and more. And the team's actually on the ice right now. We're finishing up practice. Mike McIntyre is down at Canada Life Center. He's going to join us a little bit later on. We'll also get some thoughts on the Jets and the NHL from out of the market with John Mattis, the uh, NHL lead writer for thescore.com. Um, lots of Jets content today. We're going to get all over it right out of the gate. First off, though, welcome to everyone watching. Thanks so much to the great response of episode 500 yesterday. And uh, make sure you're with us tomorrow, where it's actually busy milestone week here on WST, our second anniversary, hard to believe, first ever show, episode one was March 8th of 2021, and tomorrow, the second birthday of WST. That being said, we'll uh, get to that tomorrow, huge game against the Minnesota Wild, um, because today we'll uh, look ahead to that game, but also sort of break down what happened last night and uh, why the Winnipeg Jets ended up losing in extra time. Uh, just before we bring in Michael Remus and get the show going, have to thank the sponsors that have been with us every step of the way and make this show possible for you. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, Wallace & Wallace, Consolidated Supply, Canadian Club, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Plenty of options for our why not question of the day as well for our friends over at Not Auto Corporate, Waverly and McGillivray. Let's get Remus in here. And uh, Remus, how are you? Oh, that was a tough one to leave on the table last night. Oh, man. Like just when I thought I was over it, I was listening to these um, Rick bonus like post game clips, just getting them ready for the show. And I just like, oh, just um, missed opportunities, you know, Bring back memories of, you know, past Jets losses. Actually, it reminded me of last time Riddich, or I don't know if it was the last time, but another time this season when Riddich was in net for the other team scored with their goalie pulled against Carolina, where they scored three times. Um, you know, they're in this tight playoff race here. You need all the points in 10 seconds. That's that's a tough one, a uh, tough one, Hus. But on the bright on the other side, I mean, if you want to go with glass half full, I mean, they played... Well, other than, you know, the power play, for the most part, they played a, a game. They played well enough to win, but it they just didn't. I don't know. They Like, it wasn't the no-show game that we saw, you know, the last couple. As, I, that might be a low bar, but I thought they played they played well. It was an exciting game, but that's a tough way to lose there. Yeah. I mean, listen, credit to James Reimer. He played great and made a few circus saves. Um, as Bonus said, and we'll get to them, the, the Jets – didn't help their cause. They missed some wide open nets last night as well. And um, that's, uh, listen, the San Jose Sharks are draft lottery bound, hoping to get Connor Bedard. Um, if the Winnipeg Jets are going to be, uh, uh, are going to be a playoff team and do anything in the postseason, um, you need to execute better than they did last night. You need to make the most of your opportunities far better than they did last night. 
And when you dig down into some of the numbers coming out of the game, it's pretty clear that there's some major, major red flags where this current, where the hockey club is, is currently. Um, the power play has been lost for a good period of time. Um, I remember talking to you, Remo, at the beginning of the season, and we were mentioning how different the power play looked this year, how the puck movement was great, but the uh, the thing that really we were seeing was that the player movement, the personnel was moving around. It was creative. It was generating a ton of high-quality scoring chances, and I don't know what has happened to that group, but, man, it has looked stagnant at times. Now, they did generate some good opportunities yesterday, probably could have had a goal or two, but 0 for 6 on the power play um, is not going to cut it. And if you're going 0 for 6 against a team like the San Jose Sharks, what happens when the schedule gets ramped up, which is exactly what's happening over the next 10 days for the Winnipeg Jets? I've been talking about this stretch for a while. But the Wild tomorrow night and then Florida, Tampa, Carolina, and the Boston Bruins um, – that was another reason why we said yesterday they just had to have the two points last night. Uh, and then the other thing, and we'll hear from this from Bones. Um, this has been a common refrain, but the lack of being able to win a faceoff is killing this team, especially penalty killing. But last night, the perfect example of that was, you know, in the final two minutes when the San Jose Sharks had the goalie had the goalie pulled and pretty much had the puck the entire time before evening up the game. And, you know, I had a friend that's away on uh, holidays right now and just sent me a text message with a clip from the score app. And it was the Jets power play 0 for 6 and the face-off percentage, which was basically 70% for the San Jose Sharks. And those two numbers really, really do stand out. And a big reason why we're sitting here talking about a disappointing single point on a night when this team absolutely needed to have two. Yeah, going back, I don't know, the last, like, uh, three weeks or so, almost the last month, the power play, just in, in some of their losses, you can point to not capitalizing on those chances as, you know, reasons why you would have lost by a goal. Last night, 0 for 6. Uh, I mean, that's rough. Against L.A., you, you scored 5, but you still went 0 for 3 on the power play. It's actually pretty impressive to put up 5 goals as without getting a power play. The Islanders, 0 for 3, although, I mean, there was a lot of other stuff wrong. Colorado, 1 for 5. Uh, New Jersey lost by a goal, 0 for 3. And the Columbus one was 1 for 7. Um, I mean, three five on threes. Yeah. And even, even that game, the Morrissey game against St. Louis has 0 for 6, which is incredible that you know they were able to win in the third period. But Morrissey put the team on his back. But the power play, I agree with you. You've seen a lot of the stuff we saw from last year, not from the stuff from the beginning of the season, where they keep looking for that perfect play, uh, not shooting, and like really relying on power play one and not giving power play two an opportunity. I know it wasn't a, a technically a power play goal, but it was right after where power play two with Nick Ehlers, you know, he gets the puck down low, nice passing play from Pionk to Wheeler, and Ehlers goes behind the net and finds a Nate Schmidt. Some. You know, the D are coming. There he is right in the in the slot and puts it up top. So uh, not a power play goal, but uh, they needed those top guys to come through last night. 0 for 6, certainly not ideal. And, and face-offs, you need, you know, we've talked about it all year. And, you know, 30% is their second lowest face-off uh, winning percentage of the season. The other one was uh, a game earlier this year against Dallas. 
But, well, yeah, you need that big face-off, you know, in your own zone at the end, and they don't really have a, a guy they can rely on um, to it. And, yeah, 32 is the second—sorry, second, second lowest mark again, November 25. They were 30.8%. So um, a couple things that's just been plaguing this team for a while. Again, uh, failed them yesterday against San Jose. And and James Reimer was excellent. Like, Morgan Barron, uh, you know, he had, what, the two shorthanded chances, the one-timer, which was he got all of— and the uh, you know you saw his speed I and mean, he was fastest skater in their skills competition, burning, burning uh, Eric Carlson on that one, and had a great chance. And I thought he was going to go two for two with breakaway goals and in, in you know back to back games, but uh, Reimer stuck with the pad. So hats off to James Reimer. I don't know if you knew this, he hadn't won what here since 2013. They repeated that over and over on the broadcast, but of course you were you were at the game. Yeah, I was at the game. We didn't get beaten over the head with that stat last night, but um, you know, he's from Morwina, Manitoba. Well, I'm sure there was a few people from Morwina that made the trip to the Peg, the big city, yesterday to watch James Reimer do it. Um, you know, you mentioned Nate Schmidt scoring. I mean, that was an awesome moment. I mean, of course, he had been very publicly healthy, scratched in the last game, and came back in. And you know, I thought he was fine last night, but obviously made a big play when the team needed it. They were having a tough time scoring goals. He got in there into one of those dirty areas, roofed a rebound, and, you know, put the team up at a point where, you know, you should be able to hold on, especially against, against a team like the San Jose Sharks. Um, but you mentioned Remo, and I... I this team has had a real, real tough time protecting leads with the goalie pulled. Now, the numbers on this season will maybe get a little bit skewed by that Carolina game where the Canes scored three times with the uh, with the goalie pulled. But this is not something that, you know, is um, kind of coming out of the blue. And uh, Bonus lamented it afterwards, and Mercurial uh, will hear afterwards. I mean, it, uh, there's a number of things, but, you know, you have to go back to, you know, getting control of the puck winning a face-off, and then when you do get the puck, having the composure to make the right play. And, you know, we can talk about Rick Bonus's selection of players that he's throwing out there in those situations. Um, a guy with the experience of Blake Wheeler with the puck on his stick needs to make a better play than just blindly ripping it for ice time, unable to make a change after those guys had been out there for a long time. Um, and basically giving the San Jose Sharks uh, the opportunity to change personnel if they want, bring it back into their own end, and uh, and start it over because, as I said, they were winning every single faceoff last night. I know it is, some, it, it is seemingly more um, common now to see teams have no issue with icing the puck, rip it at the open net, and, you know, you know if it goes in, great. If not, you've got a face-off. But when a team like the Winnipeg Jets can't win a face-off at a crucial point in the game, plays like that absolutely kill you. And, um, I mean, I think I've watched it back a couple times. I think there was enough time and space to flip it up, get some nice draw weight, to use a curling term, and not ice it, and maybe get a change of personnel. But that didn't happen, and... You know, that sort of decision um, and lack of execution all played a part in uh, the Jets blowing that lead last night and having to go to overtime and coming out with only one point. Yeah, he still had a chance there. And overtime, you know, if everyone crashed in the net and Logan Couture, um, Logan Couture you know, with the breakaway goal, I mean, can't really fault Riddich on that one. I don't fault him on the hurdle goal. You know, Wheeler uh, deflects the puck, ends up on a stick. Perfect, like perfect a one-timer uh, spot for Hurdle there with 10 seconds left. Um, you know, we have talked about 
or they did on the broadcast, just that first one where it seemed like he had opportunities to cover it, uh, wasn't able to, you know, a, but the Jets actually on that first goal, you know, they had a try to make a neutral zone tip pass, uh, didn't go, Sharks get it, regroup, go down, you know, shot from distance, bobbled, can't pick it up and in the net. And I, I think Ridge has been mostly fine uh, this year, aside from you know, a couple games. And look, we've talked about the Jets needing three goals to win. Well, they had two yesterday, plenty of opportunities to score a third. We talked about Barron, six power plays. There was one where like Wheeler and Lowry back-to-back had a wide-open net uh, at the side, and I think Lowry was just walking on the bench like looking at the ceiling. Um, chances were there. They played well enough to win, but they didn't get the two points. And I know you were, I know a lot of us were scoreboard watching after and the team that was able to win was Calgary. So now, you know, you, you had on Saturday where the Jets won and Calgary lost, you gained some points. So you just gave it back to them. As we watch this, someone wrote in our YouTube comments, says what a turtle race here for this last spot in the, in the, in the West Sorry, Who, who wants it? <laughs> who wants it? Is it Calgary? Winnipeg or or Nashville. I think it's going to be one of those three teams and uh, Winnipeg losing and uh, Nashville, what they lost in overtime last night and Calgary was able to pull out the win. So, uh, yeah, we uh, we went out after the game uh, to a spot that had the center ice package and threw that Dallas Calgary game on and you could just hear the groans in the bar when Calgary <laughs> won that thing with four seconds left. Um, just back to the play at the end, um, Bobby, a big guy says, how is Wheeler's pot shot and an empty net any different than when DeMello hit the empty net versus the Oilers, the game before? Well, the one thing I'll say, and I mean, again, I can't remember exactly uh, the play, but I do remember DeMello sort of ripped it off of the, uh, off of the boards. And I think he was maybe under a little bit more duress, uh, at the time, ended up getting lucky with it going in. Last night, I mean, when Wheeler had that opportunity to do it, I mean, there was enough space. If you if you slow it down and look at where it was, um, you know, whether you're taking a different angle and getting it off the boards, um, you know, across the ice, there was certainly some space there. Um, bottom line is, if you can't win a faceoff, that becomes way, way more dangerous than, you know, a lot of the teams that'll be more than happy to do that. And Bobby B makes a great point. The 70% failure in the faceoff circle clearly hinders the power play as well and doesn't help in overtime, nor with 10 seconds left in the third. And, you know, part of the reason why Kevin Stenlin has played as much as he has is that he's been the one guy that's been able to get close to 50% in winning draws. And I, I, I will talk about this with Mike later on. Uh, for all the things that NHL players and centers work on, it is amazing that the Winnipeg Jets don't have one guy that can go in and consistently get the better of their opponents in the faceoff circle. I mean, we talk about what a hockey nerd Mark Scheifele is and all the things that he does. I mean, you know, for the amount of skills and whatnot that he works on, you would think that the faceoff would be better. I mean, Adam Lowry as well for a guy that, you know, is playing the role that he has. And Dubois, I think, was 22% last night. Um you know, all of those things add up to giving other teams more opportunities to score. And to Bobby's point, if you're losing every faceoff to begin the power play, you're basically talking about a one-minute, 40-second power play because essentially you're starting behind your own net. And we saw a lot of that last night, and it ended up costing the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, just going over the faceoff numbers, an off night for Kevin Stenland. He's at 14%. 
Safely, 41. Dubois, 22. Who returned from injury. Adam Lowry, 31. And has Nick, I don't know how many face-offs he took, but has Nikolai Ehlers as, as number one, or sorry, 100% uh, face-off percentage. And he did get on the board, we mentioned, with the assist to uh, Nate Schmidt. Those are, the, those are kind of the funny. The two guys, like, it was such a great story. Has Kyle Connor bobblehead night. He gets an assist. Um, Nate Schmidt benched last game or scratch, whatever you want to, you want to use, scores the go-ahead goal. Nikolai Ehlers, we talked all show yesterday. He's got to be better. Steps up, assisting on that goal and all the great storyline. You know, we had uh, they're talking all broadcast um, Morrissey versus Carlson, and then it's as you said, Carlson. Well, he didn't look great on you know sometimes he did assist on the game winning goal and game tying goal. And I didn't want to mention this, but I saw Leslie mention in chat before the show. I said the Jets bobblehead curse. When the featured player plays in the game, coming in, they were one and five. Uh, now they are one, five, and one. Uh, this being an overtime loss. Although Kyle Connor, you know, he had, uh, what do you have? Six shots here? Yeah, six shots on goal. He had an assist. Hey, it's a, it's a team game, though. And they didn't win. And the streak or the poor poor playhouse on the, when the featured bobblehead player plays in the game, uh, still not great. I know, I know it means. <laughs> Nothing, but it is kind of funny. Chris Coff in, in chat goes, when is close to 50% acceptable? Well, when you're winning faceoffs at about a 35% clip, <laughs> because it's a hell of a lot better. I mean, I think usually, I mean, you know, sometimes you'll see teams, you know, 55-45, 52-48. I mean, to get dominated the way the Jets did, you know, against a very young San Jose Sharks team without any of the talent or personnel for the most part that the Winnipeg Jets have has to be incredibly, uh, incredibly frustrating um, for Rick Bonus. And T. Will sort of echoes what I was just mentioning. I mean, a big part of the power play problem is that they always start the power play by fishing the puck out of their own zone and then need to gain the zone, which are also not particularly good at right now. So lots to work on today at practice for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, but let's hear a little bit before we move on to our conversation with John Mattis and Mike McIntyre. We'll certainly get into more on last night with Mike. Um, certainly the face-offs, a huge, huge, huge issue for the Winnipeg, Winnipeg Jets. Jets. This, this isn't, isn't anything new, new but, but it really, really was impactful last night. Uh, Bones talked about the lack of success in the face-off circle after the game. Hold on, sorry, something got messed up here. You can hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, something got Got screwed up here. Can we, oh, okay. So we don't have bones. Well, I have it, but it's gonna not sound right. So one second. All right, we'll get that again. Shots in the game, thirty-eight twenty-four in favor of the Jets. Uh, and Rio has yeah, the money puck. The deserve to win meter was nice. Uh, doesn't matter a damn thing if you're leaving points on the table like the Jets did last night. And uh, zero for six on the power play. They did kill two penalties, um, but an eminently winnable game. Um, that um, that didn't go the Jets' way. I, I will say this. Nito Niederreiter, absolutely, um, deservedly the first star for the Winnipeg Jets last night. And we'll talk a little bit more about what stands out about Niedermeyer compared to the rest of, or Niederreiter compared to the rest of his teammates in a minute. But I think we've got bones. Here's what he had to say about uh, the lack of success in the dot last night. Losing faceoffs. Yeah, 32%. Yeah, that was a bad night. Um, 
Noah Hurdle goes 16 and three or whatever it was. So yeah, they had a dominant night in the faceoffs. Um, that's you know, but um, yeah. You guys certainly had your chances. Um, how much do you credit, I guess, James Reimer and what he did, and just maybe well, lack we, of puck luck? Or? Yeah, well, we missed some open nets. We did. Uh, he made a lot of great saves. Give him credit for that. Uh, I still would like to see us put more pucks on the net when we can. And, um, you know, we spent a lot of time in their zone in the second period when we had 11 shots. We'd like to, again, put more pucks at the net but again we had a lot of great A's and he made a lot of big saves and the chances we had to put them in the open net we missed and uh, yeah it ends up biting you all right there's uh, Rick Bonus a uh, little little dejected after the game last night and um, probably somewhat exasperated with uh, some of his centermen considering how much you would think that they have worked on these face-offs um, just how big of a part in the story they played last night one guy that stood out last night was 62, Nino Niederreiter. Um, he continues to play, to do everything that I think the Winnipeg Jets hoped that he would when they acquired him a week ago for a second-round pick. Um, the other thing that Niederreiter stands out, and maybe this is more a condemnation of the rest of the team, but is the fire that he's playing with, the energy, the physicality that he's bringing, Um and the energy in particular that was missing at times last night, even while the Jets had their way with the Sharks for the majority of the 60 minutes. Um, Bones talked about um, Nino Niederreiter, who got his first as a Jet and his 200th as an NHLer last night. Yeah, well, that's, you know, he looks exactly like we hoped he would when we got You know, that's what we need from him. He's a big, heavy guy. He's really, if you watch him in the power plays, even though the power play didn't score, uh, he did a really good job in the bumper position. So um, he's everything that we hoped he would be. Last night, um, Nate Schmidt did get back into the lineup, as we mentioned, scored a big goal after uh, observing the festivities on Saturday night when he was a healthy scratch. Bone talked a little bit about Nate Schmidt getting on the board and also what he thought of Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, Nate was very good tonight. Very happy for him to get that goal. Uh, good for him, right? But he was much better today, much more consistent with his level of play. Yeah. And then Nick as well. Nick was good. Yeah, and he made a nice play there at the end. Um, yeah. I, mean, they, I, I put him with Adam Lowry at the end. The Dubois line wasn't getting very much done creative. Uh, they weren't creating a lot of all the lines, so I tried something different and put him with uh, Adam at the end there and, uh, and Wheels. So, yeah, oh, they're both no problems. All right, so uh, there's Rick Bonus, and you know, listen, you got to feel good for Nate Schmidt after being a healthy scratch, getting that goal, and um, you know, certainly he played a role in the in the game last night. I don't know about you, Remo, though, when I heard Rick Bonus's, that was a very lukewarm compliment if I've ever heard one for Nikolai Ehlers, who um, still at, at times shows the bursts and the, the the skills that has made him such an effective player for the Winnipeg Jets, but it's quite clear that he's not at the level that we've maybe seen from him consistently for the last few seasons. And uh, uh, Rick Bonus, I don't think, is trying to be negative right now, but they absolutely need more from him. And uh, there were glimpses of that last night. Yeah, you look at you look at the numbers, Hess, and in terms of scoring efficiency, like per minute of ice time, he's up there uh, among leaders with you know points per sixty of five on five, and on the power play, 
And although you look at his raw numbers, just the last you know nine games or something, we got an assist yesterday. Um, hasn't been you know what it was earlier where you thought maybe you could be a close to point per game player. And I mean, I don't know what it is about Nick Kleigler's, um, you know, the, that the coaches don't seem to enjoy. I don't know if it's his you know freely freewheeling a unique style. Maybe they want to play more rigid. But I think you look at the results uh, when he's on the ice. Um, he scores points, and he did. You know, we talked about his ice time. He got eleven fifty two against Edmonton, and yesterday he had fourteen fifty seven. But again, you look at his last, you know, ten games here. He's got one goal, two assists, three points, minus eight, and uh, it's not not what you want to see, or not what you know. Nick, you know that uh, Ehlers is capable of more than three points in ten games. Yeah, and listen, they've had a real tough time finding a consistent spot for him in the top six with the center that clicks. Um, I think we've seen Nito Niederreiter come in and um, really provide something on that top line along with Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. But to be honest with you, both Shifley and Connor have left me wanting more quite a bit uh, over the course of the past month. And, you know, even last night, I mean, Kyle Connor had some opportunities. I think he was squeezing it a little bit at a certain point, but... Um, you know, they're just not functioning together the way that, you know, maybe they have in the past, despite the contributions of Niederreiter, who has been, um, you know, such a needed addition to this Winnipeg Jet lineup. Um, a little bit more from Bones, because, um, I mean, the Jets had 38 shots, and some people will say that the team was goalied. Rick Bonus, I think, would agree that a lot of that was on the Winnipeg Jets for not finishing chances. This is him responding to a question from Murat Atesh on that topic. In the sort of bigger picture, you guys have been struggling to find exactly that consistency, exactly your game. Is there a mentality thing to to take away from maybe not bearing down and finishing some of those chances? Is it harder to no, go I through that No, I think they're bearing down. I do. They're not, it's not like they're not trying to score tonight. They are. I mean, we got six the other night, so we just it just didn't go in for us tonight. Again, you can't you have those empty nets. You're not trying to miss it. <laughs> You're trying to put it in. Uh, you know, Morgan Barron had two great looks shorthanded. Uh, he gave him credit. He made two great saves on those, both of them. So uh, they're, they're bearing down. They're trying. And some nights the other goalie's just better than the shooter. That's one of those nights. Well, uh, you know, there's Bones giving credit where it is due, certainly to uh, to James Reimer. But um, the execution of finishing chances hasn't been there. And I think that is kind of a microcosm of a number of things that the Jets aren't doing very well. I mean, the, we still see way too many passes in skates. Um, and then, you know, when it came to defending and holding a lead, starting with the face-off circle wasn't good enough there as well. And it's part of the reason why we're talking about a 3-2 extra time loss to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, it also could have been different if the power play clicked. 0 for 6 on the power play with the man advantage. Here's what Bones had to say about the power outage on the power play. It's still this is going to be the same thing. that They had some good looks. Uh, Nino had a high tip there in the end. They had... They had some good looks, not enough. That's you know you have that many opportunities. You'd like to see more, a couple of chances per power play. If he, you know if he's making the saves, he's making the saves. Some of those power plays, we didn't create anything. The ones that we did uh, create chances on, he made the saves. All right, so Rick Bonus on uh, on the power play. Uh, one more from Bones. I'm not sure I asked this question, but um, I guess referring to the fact that they did control play for the majority of the game, had a large advantage in shots on goal. Uh, Bones asked whether that was game was somewhat of a recipe for the Jets' success going forward. 
I mean, we all played them tonight, and yeah, we, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard when you lose that extra point in the overtime, and you're disappointed. It's hard to get a good picture of it right now. Um, we'll take our time tomorrow and reevaluate, uh, take a look at the whole game, take a look at the power play, and um, come up with something different. But yeah, I mean. Did we play a bad game? Absolutely not. Did we deserve two points? Yeah, but we didn't get them. That's hockey. All right, so there's uh, Rick Bonus uh, with his thoughts on the performance last night. And uh, I'll just say this. This team is going to need to ramp it up starting tomorrow when the Minnesota Wild come to town, one of the hottest teams in the West over the last little while. They do play tonight against the Calgary Flames. Um, so maybe a Minnesota win tonight and then a tired hockey club coming into Winnipeg tomorrow would be just what the doctor ordered for Winnipeg. But uh, I think it's quite clear you can't count on anybody else to do anything for you right now. You have to make that happen for yourselves. And uh, the Winnipeg Jets just came up short last night. One real positive was the play of Nate Schmidt getting that goal last night after spending Saturday night in the press box. Here's what Schmidt had to say about uh, lighting the lamp at such a big point in the game. Unfortunately, it didn't turn out to be the winner. You know, it's we always talk about uh, possession before position for when it comes to the power play, and you know, it's a spot for me that was new. You know, especially going to the bumper, but um, you know, with the wheels and fly and run, running the half wall, I just kind of have to find the open spot for you to go and just kind of man that area. <clears throat> and fly makes a great play um, for me uh, to have a chance there. Judging by the reaction, uh, Nate, uh, was there some pent up emotion behind that celebration? Yeah, you know, I, especially the, late in the game too. You know, you can give your chance, a team to, excuse me, your, your team a chance to win. Um, a couple minutes left in the game, our our power play had, had 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 some chances. You know, in the second period we had some chances um, that we didn't uh, capitalize on. So I, you know, we took pride in that unit as well. And and I think that was uh, yeah, it was exciting. Um, it was pretty fired up. All right, so there's uh, Nate Schmidt, who um, had many thought would be the winner last night. Unfortunately, with 10 seconds left, San Jose tied it up, and uh, that was that. Now, we will get to more on last night's game. We'll also find out how practice went today. Um, Tell you that no PLD on the ice today, but David Gustafson went in sort of seemingly a placeholder for Dubois with Wheeler and Connor. Niederreiter still skating with Ehlers and Shifley. Lowry Appleton and Nemetsnikov was the third line, and Morgan Barron skating along with Saku Menelainen and Kevin Stenland. Extras were Janssen Fjallby, Gagne, and Kuhlman, essentially a fifth line right now. And Kyle Capabianco was back at practice skating along with Dylan Sandberg. And uh, interestingly enough, Logan Stanley with Nate Schmidt, and then the two pairings we saw a lot of last night, Morrissey Pionk and Dylan and DeMello. Um, but first up, we're going to get a little thought on the Jets from outside of the market. A little talk about post-trade deadline around the National Hockey League and the arms race in the East before Mike joins us from Canada Life Centre a little bit later on. Before we do that, though, got to give a big thanks to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Um, if you're in need of a battery for your car, truck, or even that summer toy you're working on this winter, Manitoba Battery has the most convenient and well-priced options in the city. And you can put an order in for your battery around lunchtime or even the start of Winnipeg Sports Talk and have it sitting on your doorstep in two to four hours for less money than you'd spend anywhere else in Winnipeg on the same battery. Uh, basically, the Amazon of batteries here in, in Winnipeg and you're shopping local. No more fighting for a parking spot at Costco. No waiting in line at Canadian Tire. 
and no more spending money on a battery at the big box stores. Let Manitoba Battery bring the battery to you while you spend time on more important things. Spend two minutes making a phone call or order online at manitobabattery.com. Manitoba Battery, the leaders in all batteries in Winnipeg with the best prices and most convenient service in town. You can also pop by and see them, of course, at 1026 Logan Avenue. Um, Funny shout out for our friends at Consolidated Supply yesterday when Frank Saravelli was on with us. Uh, We talked about them being the leaders in small engine parts and engine repair. As we've broken down, there's a few areas of the Winnipeg Jets uh, game right now that needs a little fixing. Uh, But in addition to engine parts, Consolidated Supply, the leaders in irrigation uh, options for landscaping as well as artificial turf as the go-to guys in the golf industry for decades. And of course, the only licensed club car dealer in Manitoba as well. But they do have so much more, including spas and hot tubs and incredible outdoor kitchen options. Talk to Spicy Joe and the gang. Pop by and see him actually at 1395 Niaqua Road East. Or you can find out more online at cte.ca. Don't forget, folks, our Unsung Hero program with Wallace and Wallace and Josh Morrissey continues. Send us your nominations. For this month's Unsung Hero to Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. Let us know that person in your community that's making a difference by selflessly devoting hours of their time through volunteerism, charity work, and more. Or being that go-to person on the block that is always helping out their neighbors in need. Unsung Hero at WinnipegSportsTalk.com. We'll have our Unsung Hero win a autographed Josh Morrissey jersey. And a $500 donation to the Dream Factory on behalf of the nominator uh, from WST listener from Wallace and Wallace and Josh and Margaret Morrissey are going to match that as well. And just before we get to John Mattis, if you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products too, excuse me, you got to stop by and check out our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market. Spring is just around the corner, folks. Thank God. Get ready for it with Ultimate Male Energy. Formulated specifically for men over 35, Ultimate Male Energy is designed to improve testosterone production, reduce excess body fat, build muscle tissue, maintain prostate health, and more. It's on sale today at Vita Health. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and online at myvita.ca. All right, Mike McIntyre coming up right now. Let's welcome in John Mattis from The Score. John, welcome back to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? Andrew, pleasure joining you guys as usual. Uh, last time we talked Kyle Connor. This time I imagine different uh, different topics, but let's get at it. <laughs> well, you know, we are obviously obsessing over this team every day with the ups and downs, and it has been quite a roller coaster. Well, unfortunately, a little bit more of the plunge uh, over the past six weeks. Wild game last night in Edmonton. And then, I mean, who knows, but potentially blowing a point that could be very, very important last night. I mean, I always like getting people's perspective on the Jets from outside of the market. What do you make of where they've been, the way they played over the last month or so, as well as what they did and didn't do at the trade deadline? Sure. Well, last night, as we were talking about before we started uh, pressing record here, a bit of an unfortunate way that all went down as far as not getting two points and Morgan Barron having that breakaway in the second period huh. with Eric Carlson, you know, huffing and puffing, trying to catch up to him. And 
you know, Baron makes a good move and Reimer just sticks his leg out and hopes for the best. And and that obviously would have been a, an absolute game changer. It would have been 2-1 Winnipeg. And, you know, bonus probably would have put the uh, the defensive shield up. And, you know, that Sharks team is just not very talented when you get beyond Carlson and whatever Couture and Hurdle are these days. Uh, it gets pretty thin out there. So, yeah. <sighs> It, honestly, like it, it seems cliche or it seems like overly dramatic, but not getting the two points there seems like one of those moments when you look back and either they missed the playoffs by a point or they missed the first wild card by a point and now they have a tougher matchup and it's because of something like that. And you know, there's 82 games, so you could say that about really all of them, but that one just seemed like it, it was in their hands. Um, and then you know, Nita Ryder hits the post at one point. Um, he obviously scores, and it's great to see Nate Schmidt score for the first time in a while and after getting scratched. Like, there were nice takeaways. There were nice storylines, but unfortunately, they didn't get the uh, the two points. And I think Niedermeyer Nita, Nita has been uh, a welcome addition. I, I thought when the trade happened, my first thought, honestly, was, you know, him going just for a second. I'm like, that is like the most fair value trade that I that I had seen to that point. It made sense. I, I can't remember if Tanner Janot was before or after, but it was right around the same time. And obviously that trade was outrageous. Five picks and a player for a guy like uh, Tanner Janot, who's what, a middle six winger. So I thought the Niederreiter acquisition made a ton of sense. Um, I think we've seen through a few games here that he's got some chemistry with Connor and Shifley. Uh, they're up 3-1 at 5-on-5 and have a 60% expected goals rate. So you really can't do much better than that. And, I mean, I, I was left uh, wanting more as the deadline closed from the Jets' perspective, which I'm sure is is a sentiment shared by most of Winnipeg fans. I mean, this is a team that's kind of in this two-year window where as of – not this summer coming up, 2023, but 2024, there could be huge roster changes between Wheeler, Shifley, Dubois, and Hellebuck all being UFAs, and the team in general, whether it's Connor or, um, you know, Niederreiter, who's also going to be a UFA. All these guys, all these important pieces, they're all getting older. Like, aside from Perfetti, they're getting on the older side of things with, with their core. So within that context, it's like, okay, you either go for it this year or you go for it next year. Or, you know, there, maybe there's a shakeup in the offseason and this isn't a relevant conversation. But I just – I was a little underwhelmed. And I know it's it's kind of a Kevin Shevel day off trademark. He's not a hugely uh, – uh, he's not huge on the trade market. He's not, a, you know, doing too many deadline moves over the years. So maybe par for the course. But the West is so wide open. The Oilers made some pretty big moves and – the Jets, while, you know, added to their forward group, I feel like left something on the table there. You know, it, it's funny because, I mean, like in the past, I mean, 2018, they traded their first for Paul Stastny. They did the same thing in 2019 with a first for Kevin Hayes, which obviously didn't work out as well as the Stastny acquisition. I mean, the way I think a lot of people, myself included, read the lack of major activity outside of the Niederreiter deal in the Adam Nemetsnikov was the fact that, I mean, with this core and where the team is, I'm not sure they felt it was like this was a real cup contender that you'd want to go and spend tons of future assets. Because, John, as you correctly mentioned, I mean, these contracts are ending after next season. Um, 
we talk about a two-year window. I'm not sure it's not a one-year window because if you are Kevin Dayoff, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets, with the way they're building, they've built their team, with what they have the ability to do free agency-wise, like these guys can't all walk for nothing if they're not being re-signed. And, I mean, the way I read the tea leaves is that come the end of this season, one way or another, there's going to get clarity on Connor Hellebuck. If they don't already have clarity on Pierre-Luc Dubois, that will be uh, realized. And if those guys aren't sticking around, those guys are probably getting moved. And I might even include Mark Shifley in that group as well. Blake Wheeler's at a different point in his career. See what happens on that. And obviously, Nino Niederreiter, the brilliance of that trade is that if they do rebuild, blow it up, whatever, I'm not sure they don't get more than a second-round pick at some point for Niederreiter being traded. But um, it kind of seems like I don't think they had the confidence to risk important future assets on this season, kind of just see how it went. And then come a few months... I expect there to be some wild conversations on this program about the future of the Winnipeg Jets because I'm not sure all those guys are back. One more time to run it back and then pick up the pieces at the end of next season. Yeah, I think the the main thing I'd say to that is I hope that Shovel Dayoff is, is going to be decisive. I hope he has a concrete plan because that's kind of what, what irks me about certain franchises is they're just so willy-nilly about it um, or they're in this like, prime window to contend the the you know you have these incredible pieces and then you sort of just you know a couple moves around the edges and you don't raise that ceiling high enough when like the whole point of this is to win championships so to use washington as an example i really like what they did at the deadline because uh, their gm decided listen this isn't our year if you look at the standings there's six seven better teams in the east But we have Alex Ovechkin, and our owner has said we are not rebuilding at the end of his career, at the tail end here, as he chases Gretzky's record. So you're sort of given this window, right? And so instead of holding on to a couple UFAs and making the playoffs and maybe winning a round, they cleared a lot out. And they're trying to retool, and there's just a very obvious, decisive, aggressive plan in place. Um, and you could say the same thing for Toronto, where they went kind of nuts and uh, added six players. Um, and their situation obviously is very unique with their GM's contract expiring, the team not winning in the playoffs for six, seven years, et cetera. But again, I like how decisive it is. And decisive doesn't necessarily n- mean that you need to go fully one way or fully the other way. Um, so perhaps the Jets, as you mentioned, do have this this plan in place. And the plan is actually we don't fully trust this group uh, to to contend for a cup. So we're going to kind of slowly and quietly um, kind of meticulously get rid of some of these players and try to, I guess you could say retool because there's, there's, I highly doubt they're going to go with a full on rebuild. So when you frame it that way, Andrew, I think it, it maybe lessens my, my criticism, but again, I go back to like, the whole point of this is to win championships and you've, you've spent a lot of time on this core and to just come to the realization now is maybe uh, a little late in the process. And I throw a team like the Nashville predators in there. They were decisive at the deadline, but it took David Poyle to say, I'm going to retire for them to finally start selling. And if you look at their cap sheet, it's a complete disaster, but they've started to sort of realize, okay, we're not going to win with this group with Ryan Johansson, with 
um, Matt Duchesne, with uh, all these other guys. Roman Yossi's great. UC Soros is great. But after that, we've paid the wrong guys. So I don't know if that's how Winnipeg's really looking at it. Um, but it's very possible because of uh, not a not inaction around the deadline. They did something. But uh, clearly, they're sending the signal that perhaps this isn't, quote-unquote, their year. The irony of the whole thing, John, is that, I mean, considering the way the team played, I mean, if they didn't have that great start, um, you know, and maybe, you know, overachieve compared to what most people's expectations of this team was, certainly for the first half of the year, um, I'm not sure the Jets aren't in a position of the likes of Washington and Nashville potentially making some pretty significant moves at this deadline. Um, but, I mean, it's pretty hard to do that when you are sitting in a playoff spot. Although, um, you know, for a team that was stiffing around first place in the Central for a long time, it's very different when you look at the conference standings right now. That being said, I just wanted to get your thoughts. I mean, I think we can pretty much eliminate St. Louis and everyone below Calgary and Nashville, do you think either of those teams have a run in them to um, make it interesting for the final playoff spot in the West? Calgary and Nashville. I don't think Nashville. I think, if anything, we'll see some load management or we'll see some... uh, You know, UC Soros gets used a ton. He's relied on maybe more than any other goalie in the league as far as the shots he faces and and the starts that he makes. He's so Connor Hellebuck right at the top yes, of that exactly. list. It's always They're... funny when these two teams play each other because they have maybe the two <laughs> biggest workhorses in the NHL. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, maybe there'll be uh, a start here and there that Saros uh, doesn't doesn't take and, and his backup slides in there. So, uh, I mean, Calgary obviously has the talent. I think on paper they've underachieved. I think the Jonathan Huberto acquisition, and by no means would I call it a bust or – or a, a poor trade at this point in time because it included a, a a long extension and he's a tremendous player. We'll see what happens long term, but it's, it hasn't worked out. Jacob Markstrom's had a terrible year. Um, the issue with them is that they played 64 games. Colorado, who's in the second wild card, 61. So not only are the Flames five points back, but they're the 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 team that they're chasing has three games in hand. So that's very difficult. Because there's, there's something to be said for having 74 points in 61 games like the Avalanche, right? Those are those are bank points. <laughs> like, you know, it's nice to say, oh, Calgary has this chance. But, like, that five-point gap is, is pretty tremendous at this point. So, honestly, I think the West is, is pretty set. Um, sure, Nashville and Calgary could make a, make a run for it, but... I, I still think that Colorado is a favorite to come out of the West, at least uh, part of a, you know, a tier with Dallas and, and maybe an Edmonton because of McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like I think Colorado, they haven't even fielded a full roster the entire season. They're just scratching the surface in terms of what they can do. So it's kind of crazy to look at the standings and go, you know, let's keep the avalanche at the top of mind for cup contending when they're, they, they, there's no guarantee that they even make the playoffs, but that's how highly I think of them and their roster. Well, I, I mean, listen, I mean, the Jets are one point up on the Avs right now, and the Jets have played three more games. I mean, I am with you. I mean, I still think Colorado is going to be the team to beat at least in the Central Division, and um, the Winnipeg Jets are going to need to pick up some some points to avoid being in a dogfight for that final playoff spot. 
Uh, they got a tough schedule coming up. You got the Minnesota Wild tomorrow night, and then heading out to Florida, Tampa, Carolina, mm. coming back to play the Boston Bruins. Um, and that's why that point that they left on the table last night sort of stings, I'm sure, inside the dressing room and certainly amongst the fan base. Heading over to the East, um, <laughs> you've covered this league for a long time. I mean, uh, just your thoughts on not necessarily the trade deadline day being big, but an arms race unlike anything I can remember for the better part of two weeks leading up to the deadline amongst most of the top teams in the East, minus the Carolina Hurricanes, who were sort of more a Jets route, getting a couple good value players at relatively low cost. Yeah, ironically, it starts with the New York Islanders, a team in the wild card who, you know, at the end of this may not make it, getting Bo Horvat back on, I think it was January 30th. And a pretty significant first domino when you think about it. A first was in that trade, a couple of uh, one young player in, in Pavillier and, and one, you know, B prospect in Atu Ratu. So that really, you know, started, you know, kind of start your engines out, out east um, with that one. And then I think the Orlov trade was, was a pretty big domino as well, uh, you know, going with Hathaway over to the Bruins and. I, I assume that Toronto just looked at what Boston was doing and said, like, we, we just can't stand Pat. We can't let this deadline pass without completely, basically overhauling a third of the roster. The one thing with that, and what, don't get me wrong, I like the O'Reilly acquisition. You know, I like McCabe. I like pretty much everything that they did in a vacuum. But did they add too many players? I mean, six players into your lineup of 18 skaters, that's very significant and there's plenty of time here for them all to get adjusted they're all pros etc but that's something in the back of my mind in terms of is there sort of a diminishing returns there on flipping the roster too much affecting the uh the the dressing room too much because there's still players that didn't go out the door that are around you know we saw angval and sandine and and a couple others leave but like if you were the sixth defenseman and now you're sitting in the press box how is that affecting your mood? So I thought that was pretty interesting. Obviously, Tampa, they went crazy in terms of Tanner Janot. Um, I totally get it from their perspective, but still a crazy price to pay. Um, and you mentioned Carolina kind of hanging tight there, not doing a whole lot, while uh, the Devils loaded up with Meyer and the Rangers loaded up with Tarasenko, Mott, Mikola, and Kane. So... I mean, it's a gauntlet out there. I mean, like, let's not mince our words here. There's going to be teams that loaded up significantly that are going to lose in the first round. And obviously, from a fan perspective, you love it. Um, from a media perspective, you love it. But, you know, is there a GM in here that's going to get fired because of what they did, because of how they loaded up? Um, I don't know. Uh, but it's it's incredibly exciting. And, it's funny, right? Because on one hand, you, you given what the Boston Bruins have been doing, they're at a historic pace. You would think some organizations would go, "We're not going to beat this team. Like it's it's just not our year. Let's let's project towards next year. Even if we're in this cup contending window, let's leave our assets that we can trade for next year. Let's not go crazy here. Maybe we get in the playoffs and something cool happens. It's all gravy because Boston's the toast of the, the league. But it was almost the opposite." where teams saw other teams in the East loading up and they, they, they got, they got crazy. They, they went, uh, they went bananas. So it's awesome to see. And I'd say the only team I'm kind of disappointed in, in the East is the Penguins because 
all they did was add, you know, Benino and Granlin and uh, uh, Kulikov. And I don't know if any of those guys moved the needle. Um, and normally that's fine if you're, you know, this team that, that may or may not make the playoffs and you got an older group. But you have Crosby and Malkin and Latang in this really tight window. And if you're going to do something, like, it's got to be more significant than that. Or if you don't think this is your year, hold off. And for whatever reason, they did something in the middle of those two things. So the East is just it's bonkers right well, now. Well, the funniest thing about Pittsburgh is we heard that they were all in on uh, JT Miller, but the Canucks did not want draft capital to come back. And that's a whole nother conversation about the way the Canucks are handling their situation right now and what we expect to come at this summer. But you mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning, and I know out east it's all focused on Toronto and the uh, up the pending series between these two teams that we pretty much could have put tickets on sale for the middle of November. Um, but Tampa hasn't looked anything like the Tampa Bay Lightning as of late. I caught some of that game on Sunday afternoon. They had four shots in the first period and zero in the second. Uh, and that, of course, coming off a night where Point, Kucherov, Stamkos had been benched by John Cooper. Um, what do you make of where the lightning are at right now? Um, pretty concerned if, uh, if I'm being honest in terms of, uh, looking at them and their future of the season with the caveat of this is the Tampa Bay lightning and they really well run organization, three cup finals in the last three years, two cups in those three years and same coach, same stars. Like, is this just, uh, you know the the inmates fighting with the the prison guard, so to speak, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, where there's some sort of disagreement there over ice time, over usage, over effort, and this is Cooper butting heads with the Stamkoses and Headmans and points. Uh, it sure seems like that from afar, but what's perhaps most concerning is, like you laid out that 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 egg that they laid in that six nothing defeat where they barely, barely even get any shots on goal because that was after the benching. So you yeah, wonder response, what's going on here. Not the <laughs> response John Cooper was looking for from his well, team. And it's it's the entire team, right? Like if you want to eliminate those stars and, and have your conversation with them and something's going on with them, that's one thing. But for the rest of the team to not show up, that's a whole other can of worms. So it's one of those things where I'm sure it'll blow over. I'm sure Tampa will be fine. And as lame and old school as this sounds, maybe they need a little adversity. Maybe they need a little dust up here. Um, it's been a really long three, four years. And you can even go back. Like they made the cup final in 2015 with a lot, with not a lot of the same guys, but a handful. And guess who's been around the whole time, John Cooper. And as much as we love him in the media, and he's obviously a great coach tactically, personally, in terms of the the dynamics in the room, everyone's going to tire of a coach. And I don't know if that's what this is, but there's certainly some sort of interpersonal uh, butting of heads there, uh, which is quite interesting from afar. But I wouldn't, if they were just picking a team, uh, the Buffalo Sabres or the Ottawa Senators, and this was happening, I think it'd be a lot easier to, to laugh at them, to mock them. But I feel like Tampa's built up this this gravitas, this this aura around them, and they have the cups to prove it. That you assume it's going to be all sorted sorted out over the the stretch drive here. Well, you know, and Leaf fans, I'm sure, are more worrying about their own team right now. But um, 
Yeah, something tells me they'll get their act together by the time we drop the puck on the Stanley <laughs> Cup playoffs. Hey, one more for you. You just mentioned Ottawa and Buffalo. The East, I mean, pretty much lock in the top six teams. The Islanders are in the first wild card with 72 points, but have played 65 games. And then you've got Pittsburgh in uh, at 71 points, having played 62. And then a group, four teams at 68 Buffalo's played 62 games, Ottawa 63, Panthers 64, and the Cap 65. Put your prognostication hat on for a minute, John, and uh, how do you see this playing out? Who, If you had to lay a nickel down right now, who are the two wildcard teams in the East? Yeah, I like that. Um, hmm. I think I'm... I think I'm confident that the Islanders will make it, either first or second wildcard. Less confident about the Penguins. And gun to my head, I feel like Buffalo's going to squeak in. I think I think it's, you know, they could potentially be swept in the first round by by the, the Boston Bruins. Or, you know, if they end up as the, the second or the first wild card, maybe it's uh, Carolina. Like, I don't think Buffalo's ready to win playoff rounds. But uh, I honestly think they're building something pretty special there. I think between... Uh, the culture and how it's been turned around since Eichel left to the on-ice results. I mean, they're a plus 10 in goal differential right now. And say the Penguins, who are ahead of them, are plus 2. And if you look at anyone outside the playoffs, they're in and around plus 5, plus 2, plus 1. If they're in the negatives, like, Buffalo's got this really high-end offensive machine. And their goaltending is somehow held up this year. Uh, with Craig Anderson, Eric Comrie, and Uka Pekalukkanen, this this three-headed monster, which is pretty interesting in, in and of itself. Um, and I believe in I believe in Don Granado. Um, Tage Thompson has this game-breaking ability. I just I just they also have 62 games played uh, in a conference that has a lot of teams at 63, 64, 65. So in terms of like. Uh, good storylines, and even just playing the odds, I have a feeling that the Sabres are going to squeak in there and, and bump out the Penguins. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm, I'd love to see uh, Endless and Buffalo. They're, they're a fan base. I mean, it's such a great sports city. I mean, they haven't seen playoff hockey in forever. The longest um, drought ever, 11 years. <laughs> it's, it's wild. And just think about how bad those teams have been over yes. the course of those 11 years. It would be pretty cool to see Buffalo make it in. Uh, John, thanks so much for doing this. Fill people in on what you and the team have kicking over at the score following the National Hockey League. Sure, yeah. Uh, so if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at M-A-T-I-S-Z-J-O-H-N. It's probably the best way to find my stories, but certainly download the score app if you don't already have it and check that NHL tab, sign up for alerts, uh, we provide pretty comprehensive coverage of the league, whether it's news, features, all that good stuff. And, you know, even talking yesterday with with my editor, starting to talk about the draft and, you know, mock drafts and features on uh, on on players coming through the ranks. So the wheels are always turning uh, and uh, I'm keeping an eye on the on the Jets, too. This is this is going to be a fun race down the down. Like what? what? What are we at? Like last uh, 18 games or so. So. Yeah, uh, every point counts for Winnipeg right now on a very, very tough road trip coming up after a big one tomorrow night against the Minnesota Wild. John, let's do this again soon. Thanks so much for the time. Always great having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks for having me, guys. 
All right, good stuff with John Mattis. You can check him out. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, at John Mattis. Uh, his uh, Twitter bio is in the description of today's show on YouTube. And uh, obviously, I think most of you probably already have the Score app, best in the biz. But uh, if you don't already, you might want to uh, might want to download that. All right, we're going to get back to focusing on the Jets. Mike McIntyre's coming up in just a sec. I'm going to give a big shout-out to our friends at Royal Sports. Spring is just around the corner. I know a lot of people planning maybe a uh, spring break trip with the family. Royal Sports, the leader in snowboards, boots, bindings, everything you need to dominate the slopes is waiting for you down at 750 Pemina Highway, along with amazing hockey deals right now, including some Warrior sticks up to 50% off. And of course, the best selection of licensed merchandise anywhere with the best of Jets, Bombers, merchandise, NHL, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and some of the top, top soccer clubs from around the world. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Give them a follow on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. Now, fellas, looking to step up your wardrobe game as we get into uh, the new season? Well, you know where to go for that. F Apparel at 190 Smith Street downtown. The leaders in custom clothing for men with custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks. They also have an incredible selection of custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, dress pants, chinos, golf pants, and more. So whatever your menswear needs are, F Apparel is the place to go. And don't forget, 15% off for the entire wedding party when you and the fellas get your Suits from F Apparel, far better move than uh, renting tuxes and having to return them and pay the big freight. And of course, if you do have a 2023 grad in the family, head on down to F Apparel, get the young man a suit to move into the next gener- uh, next uh, part of their life. And uh, for every 2023 grad, F Apparel will hook them up with a free custom shirt and tie Savings of about 150 bucks when you buy a custom suit for a 2023 grad at F Apparel. F Apparel online, make an appointment, check them out, ephapparel.com, or pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown. And uh, I did pop into BP after the game last night. Uh, some dejected, disappointed Jet fans with uh, the end of last night's game. Uh, but the team heading out on the road after this big one tomorrow at, against the Minnesota Wild. Be a great place to get together with your friends for these games in Florida on the weekend and Carolina before the Jets come back to take on the beasts of the NHL, the Boston Bruins, next week. And when you're a BP, fun pick-a-player contest for Winnipeg Jets hockey, as well as those ice-cold schooners, world-famous Boston wings, gourmet pizzas, and much, much more. And, of course, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's uh, let's get back to last night's game and then a bit of a look ahead to a big one tomorrow for the Jets against the Minnesota Wild. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, joins us now. Mike, what's going on? How did uh, how did you see that one last night? Well, there are games, Huss, that you can look at in a season where a team rallies to you know salvage a point and then lose in overtime where you would actually say, well, that's a point gained as a point as opposed to a point loss. Like not every overtime or shootout loss is viewed the same way. I don't think anybody, and I certainly would not look at last night as saying that was a point gained. That was without a doubt, a point lost for the Winnipeg Jets. And 
I guess the big question now, one that we won't have the answer for, for what, five more weeks potentially, is will that lost point come back to haunt them in what is becoming a, an ever-tightening Western Conference playoff race? Um, the Jets got a little bit of help, certainly on the out-of-town scoreboard last night with with the uh, Preds losing in uh, in overtime themselves or in a shootout, so they didn't gain any ground on Winnipeg. And then Calgary, I don't know if this is good or bad. I mean, Calgary it's scores. Bad. I guess it's bad if you – it's good if you think the Jets still have a shot at finishing first. I don't know that any – that ship may have sailed at this point uh, because the Jets did gain a point on the Dallas Stars last night, but they lost a point to the Calgary Flames. And uh, so both the Predators and the Flames are now six back of Winnipeg. And what's really interesting, Huss, is that the Predators, who look like they were – burning it down to the ground at the trade deadline. They're only six back, but they have three games in hand on the Jets. And how big is next weekend's showdown in Music City now potentially looming uh, between Winnipeg and Nashville? Well, that could be a big one, just like the Jets game against Calgary near the end of the year could be a big one as well. So, you know, that's a point loss for Winnipeg. That's a game that you look at all the chances they had to to be ahead by more than one in the final minute and credit to James Reimer. Like that was, that was quite a performance that the Manitoban put on, uh, you know, with friends and family looking on, but you know, the jets, they, they shouldn't have been in a position to have that game go to overtime. And of course, Winnipeg has been money when games do get to overtime. So that was a bit of a, um, a slap in the face to see them not pull it out. I think a lot of folks figured, okay, well, they're still going to get the win here, uh, albeit in extra time, but it wasn't meant to be. And so they move on and they now get into uh, the, the teeth of the schedule. I mean, you've heard the expression about March coming in like a lion. We're, I guess, a week into the new month, but it is about to get pretty ferocious here in the next uh 10 days or so, Huss. Well, and I mean, obviously doing this every day, Mike, we spent a lot of time focusing on the here and now. Um, but even when the Jets started to struggle in January, I remember looking ahead to the uh, looking ahead to the schedule coming out of the All-Star break. And there were a couple of areas in the schedule that were very concerning to me. One was the trip out east. We saw the way that one went. I mean, it really took Connor Hellebach going completely out of his mind in that one game to get two points out of that one. Of course, it started off with, you know, that loss against the Columbus Blue Jackets and a common topic, total outage on the power play, three five-on-threes and a sort of softy on David Riddick that ended up, um, you know, setting it off on a sort of a bad note and they didn't really recover from it. But then it's this period right now, starting off with those two games against the Edmonton Oilers. This was the game last night. You had to have two points for sure, because now it's the Minnesota wild, a three game road trip to a desperate Florida Panthers team, a Tampa Bay lightning team. That's going to be in a very sour mood with the way they've been playing as of late. And then the Carolina hurricanes, one of the best teams in hockey. And then awaiting the jets when they come back is the Boston Bruins. And if you look at Calgary, 
over the course of these next five games. I mean, they do have the Minnesota Wild tonight, and I think most Jet fans will be cheering for the Wild. Hopefully those teams can beat the hell out of each other and maybe soften up the Wild a little bit for this game tomorrow. Uh, but I believe they've got the Coyotes in the next five. They've got the Anaheim Ducks in the next five. And the one thing I'll say about Calgary, Mike, is that they should be better than where they are right now. I mean, right. I can't say I look at this team and don't expect them to make a real push at some point. So um, the Winnipeg Jets are going to have to pick up points. It's going to be very tough over this next little while, and that's what makes that one left on the table, I think, sting that much more for both people inside the dressing room and among the fan base. Yeah, and I mean, what the Jets no longer have, Haas, really is the buffer of being in the top three in the central. Um, and, and that's big, right? Because now, now it's a wild card situation. And so as Minnesota and Dallas, uh, I know the Jets technically right now are in third in the central. I think they're one one point ahead of the, of the abs, but Colorado has games in hand. And I think we're all waiting. It looked like Colorado was was going to go on that monster run and maybe leave everyone in their dust. And then they've had a couple of recent setbacks, um, you know, lately. So hard to know where they're at, but I still expect the abs to be in the top three in some fashion when the dust settles. So, you know, if, if Minnesota and Dallas are also in there, well, that leaves Winnipeg in the wild card. And that means that there's really no separation between them and the teams that are trying to get into that top eight, Calgary and now Nashville. So you're right. It, it The Jets are going to have to find another gear here. And certainly what we've seen from them as of late doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. To me, Huss, a couple things. This is a Jets team, um, and, and I get that, you know, losing games will do this. They, they seem pretty fragile right now when, when something starts to go wrong. Whereas early in the year, they seem to be able to kind of get a hold of it really quick and and stop the bleeding. Now it's turning into a full-blown gusher. And so they're fragile. And, you know, I, I, I thought maybe they had dealt with that a little bit the other night against Edmonton where, you know, they give up that goal right away again. This is Saturday night. Deja vu all over again like the night before. But then they score two. But then the Oilers get two back. And then you're thinking, okay, now here we go again. But then the Jets, to their credit, they persevere, get the lead back, and then hang on for dear life. Uh, but then last night, I mean, we'll see what that does to the overall psyche if they can quickly shake that off. Um, and as you say, a red-hot Minnesota team, I think that has points in eight straight games, uh, you know, coming into tonight, they're going to play the Flames. So one thing the Jets, I guess, have going for them is that they're sitting at home today um, licking their wounds a little bit while the Wild have to play and then travel tonight. Can the Jets take advantage of that tomorrow? Uh, we will see. But yeah, they've got to find another gear here. And Huss, I dare say they got to find a killer instinct. Like there's an example last night where good teams would find ways to put the San Jose Sharks away. So again, that it doesn't get to a final minute scramble as it did. Um, and you know, some of that was bad luck. Some of that was great saves by James Reimer. And you look at the power play. Some of that is self-inflicted a team that for whatever reason, just can't get it going. I mean, 
Huss, it says something when last night the Jets were dangerous when they were four on five and they were five on four. And I don't understand that. Morgan Barron had the two great shorthanded chances. The Jets didn't really get any chances like that on the power play. And I, I don't get it other than to state the obvious, which this team, they're trying to make the highlight reels. It seems like every every time they have a power play, it's just pass, 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 pass. Eventually a shot, which maybe gets blocked or cleared. And then the inability to win faceoffs. I mean, they're spending half the power play trying to get established in the zone because typically the opponent is winning the draw and icing the puck. And then it takes the Jets a, a time or two to kind of get set up. So um, I know they spent a lot of time today working on it at, uh, at practice. Um, they better hope practice makes perfect because it is anything but perfect right now. Well, we'll get to practice into some of that. But I mean, yeah, you basically nailed two things that just stood out um, in all caps to anyone that was paying attention to the game last night. Um, 0 for 6 on the power play. And, Mike, one of the things about the power play that's just lacking so much, I mean, I can remember talking about the Jet power play earlier on in the season when things were going well and this team was feeling it and commenting on how different it looked like the stagnant power play we saw last season because not only were they moving the puck around very well, but the players themselves were moving around. When you see right. the elite power plays in the National Hockey League, guys aren't just standing in their spots for as long as they can until they get a shot. They are moving it around, and it, for whatever reason, that is completely dried up, and um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of creativity on the power play, and more often than not, um, to your point, they're spending a lot of time fishing the puck from behind their own goaltender and trying to get in, and I mean, your point about the face-offs, listen, I know there's some people that diminish the importance of face-offs, but when you're protecting a lead, hell, when you're starting a power play, you'd rather use the two minutes as opposed to 140 or 135 right. by the time you actually get into the next zone. I mean, this is now really starting to hurt this team, and I, for the life of me, can't imagine. I mean, there's some things that guys just don't have a skill set to do, but... How can an entire team be so poor in the face-off dot consistently for such a long time? Yeah, and I, I had someone point out to me how Adam Oates is like the personal skills coach of Mark Shifley. Adam Oates is one of the best face-off men in NHL history. Um, and you yeah, wonder, I don't know if like, they've been practicing that. Well, maybe they should add that to the to-do list this summer because Mark Shifley uh, – He's really struggling in the dot, but he's not alone. I mean, you'd think Pierre-Luc Dubois would be a great face-off guy. So much of it is body positioning. Yes, it's timing, but there's also, you know, strength and size and all that. And Pierre-Luc Dubois has that in spades. So does Mark Shifley. Those guys get eaten alive. I mean, Adam Lowry of the three, of, of Shifley, Dubois, Lowry, Lowry is the best of the three. I think he's the only one that's that's above 50%, and it's barely above 50%. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, possession matters. And when you have a two minute power play, possession really matters. And the Jets don't have possession of the puck enough. And when they do have possession of the puck, they're not putting it on net nearly enough. I mean, Huss, I think it says something when I'm looking here, Leon Dreisaitl leads the NHL in power play goals. Uh, what's he up to? He's got 41 goals on the year, but 26 of them are on the power play. 
Kyle Connor is closing in on another 30 goal season. He's got seven. We see Kyle Connor. We know what kind of shot Kyle Connor has. We know about his ability with the quick hands, the pick corner. How does Kyle Connor, 60 something games into the year, have seven power play goals? Like, that's inexcusable. Either you're not getting Kyle Connor the puck enough where he can do damage with it, or Kyle Connor is passing up all kinds of chances that, that where he should be pulling the trigger. Um, the Jets have way too much talent to have a power play that is this poor. And I guess what's really puzzling is it was going well early in the year. They were top 10. I think at one point they were close to top five. They're now in the bottom tier of the league and, and falling fast. And, you know, as games get tighter down the stretch here, Huss, um, and the proverbial, you know, 3-2 league that so many people say the NHL is, maybe it's more like 4-3 these days, given that scoring is up. But, you know, one goal games, that's that's how so many games are down the stretch. Um, and we talk about the Jets and how they haven't got the so-called loser point in a lot of their losses. So many regulation lot. Well, lots of those have been by one goal. And you pointed to the Detroit game. I mean, we could go down the list of games where if the power play could have come through just once, they probably have a bunch more points in the bank. And we're not sitting here on March 7th talking about them being in a fight for their playoff lives. Yeah, uh, you know, a lot to a lot to digest for Rick Bonus. And I mean, you know, you've been in every one of these scrums all year long. Um, I'm interested. Well, I'm interested in your thoughts on what we heard from Bones after the game because um, he didn't kill his team. And listen, I mean, they did play relatively well at five on five. They generated plenty. James Reimer had to be great, but I mean, the San Jose Sharks are in. Well, you would think by looking at the standings, are in a different class right now than the Winnipeg Jets, especially with the trade of Timo Meyer and where they're at right now. And yet, that was a game right down till the final seconds. Um, but thoughts on Bones, or actually, maybe before we get to Bones, I, I did want to ask you about your perspective on how it fell apart in the last two minutes. And and you know, the Jets when defending six on five, sometimes some interesting personnel decisions from Rick Bonus. Um, and again, if there's ever a time where winning a faceoff would help you out. That was a time, and they could not even get one uh, on what three or four faceoffs in their own end in the final minute fifty with the goalie pulled. And of course, you know where it ended up: David Riddick behind him, fishing it out of his own net with ten seconds left. Yeah, so you know the personnel decisions. I, I would agree, Huss. Some some curious choices there, and you know hindsight is always twenty twenty, especially when things don't go well. You can look and say, oh, if they had only done this, it would have turned out like that. Um, Blake, Blake Wheeler, I didn't think had a very good game yesterday. I mean, he wasn't moving well. Blake Wheeler isn't obviously going to blow anyone away anymore with his speed. Um, at the age of 36, like he just doesn't have it. Um, but Blake Wheeler, you know, he took that penalty in the offensive zone that Rick bonus has said before he hates those penalties, like where you're just not moving your feet. Some will call that a lazy penalty. I don't think that's a lazy penalty by Blake Wheeler. I just think that's a penalty where there's a, a quicker guy near him and he's trying to make a play. And How do you not just hit the guy instead of sticking yeah. your stick in there when you know exactly what is going to happen? I mean, it, it's been – this reminds me, to be honest, that play, I'm glad you brought it up, 
that reminded me of like the early 2.0 era Jets where Wheeler was notorious for taking stick penalties in the offensive zone. So was Andrew, Andrew Ladd. I was just yeah. about to say those guys. And, you know, that was one of the things that Paul Maurice really focused on when he took over and did do a pretty good job of cleaning up. But, I mean, Rick Bonus has talked about this team not moving their feet when they haven't been looking well. Yeah. Um, listen, I'll give Blake Wheeler a lot of credit the way he handled losing the captaincy, and I thought he had a strong first half of the season. To me, he's looked nothing like that player since he came back from uh, that very painful injury that took him out. And honestly, if you look, and I'm not hanging this on Blake because there was a number of other players that came back, but it's amazing to see what the results were of the Winnipeg Jets up until that point when Wheeler, Ehlers, Schmidt, and Appleton all came back at the same time. I'm not even sure this team's 500 since that since that uh, point. No, agreed. And so, again, it's easy to pick on Blake Wheeler, but you know that was an example in the first. I'm just saying he, he's not the quickest guy. So, but he's out there. You know, Rick Bonus has him out there in that final minute. And of course, again, hindsight being what it is, but that icing by Blake Wheeler. That was not a good hockey play. It really wasn't. Uh, that's an unforced error. There's other options. I mean, you flip the puck a little higher, you know, with less trajectory on it and 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 you just get it out to center or you whatever, you double back or you find a teammate. I mean, the icing there was ill-advised. He's going for the empty net, I guess. Misses. And again, it wouldn't be an issue if the Jets were winning 63% of the face-offs. Instead, it was the Sharks. When I think it's actually 67%. 68. Like it was pushing 70. Yeah. So when you've got less than a one in three chance of coming up with the puck, and now you've got a tired group, and look, it was an unfortunate play that happened, right? The Jets actually blocked the shot. Yeah. And I think it was Wheeler, was it not, who got yeah. his stick or his skate on it. And, of course, goes right to one of the few remaining elite talented players on the Sharks um, in, in Tomas Hurdle. And, you know, he's not going to miss from there. Like, that's that's a freebie. And you know, same with in overtime. Like, look, the Sharks aren't a good team. They still have a couple really good players. And we saw them. Hurdle ties it. And that other guy, Logan Couture, he's a good player as well. He wins it, you know, on the breakaway. But, you know, I, I didn't understand, Huss. Like, why isn't why isn't Vlad Nemestikov out there in the final minute? A guy that I thought had a really good game. He looks right at home on that third line, that checking line with Lowry. I mean, he, he's had a couple shot blocks already in his brief time. He's He's got the motor. Rick Bonus has talked about his defensive acumen. Why isn't he out there? And if it's a matter of deferring to your most, most senior guys, like that's something Rick Bonus has stated repeatedly that, He's not running this team, you know. This isn't um, where where y- your hierarchy gets you certain things. Like this is supposed to be about performance, and I think for the most part this year, Hasid has been. Nate Schmidt was a healthy scratch the other night. He's a guy who is a veteran, and Rick Bonus clearly didn't like what he saw, uh, and so he he sat him down for a game. Um, but that that personnel decision in the final minute and it wasn't the first time where that's happened I mean the Jets of course have now had a few games where they've given up a late goal or in the case of Carolina early in the year three late goals with the goalie out and then Dallas did it a few nights later two goals with the goalie out now the difference in those games is the Jets 
managed to still get the extra point in overtime. Um, but the Jets seem to struggle when the other team has the net miner out. And I dare say part of that is Rick Bonus seems to overthink it he or or maybe not think enough about it and the guys that maybe got you there your best defensive players they're not necessarily the ones that are out there in that last minute and I don't understand it um this shouldn't be about putting your best offensive guys out so they can get their cookie you know in the form of an empty netter you're trying to win the hockey game not pad the personal stats I think you'd want to have your best defensive guys, your most mobile, your quickest guys out there. And it seems like at times the Jets don't go that route. Yeah, I mean, just the more de- defensively responsible. That used to just drive me nuts back in the Maurice era. I mean, it was always, you know, line one going Tricely out there. Connor Wheeler. Yeah, I mean, like, what are we doing here? Um, and I mean, I think I was saying, like, where was Kevin Stenland at the end of the game last night? And maybe He's your best face-off guy. Well, exactly. And I mean, think about what Bonus was doing when killing penalties against that Edmonton power play. Stenny was going in to take the draw, and when the Jets got the puck, he would then go off right. to bring on another more established penalty killer. But, I mean, I guess it, it is somewhat different, but to me... It's a six-on-five power play. Why would you not lean on and rely on the guys that you normally do when you're down a man in those situations, like we've uh, like we like we've seen a lot of other teams? Right, and it, and it wouldn't be so maddening to fans, I suspect, if the Jets weren't one of the best penalty-killing teams in the league. The Jets are tremendous when they're down five-on-four. Why can't they duplicate that success when it's six-on-five? And and I would say part of that, Huss is because they don't necessarily put the same guys out when they're down six on five as they do when they're five on four. And and I guess the question should be asked directly to Rick Bonus here is, why do you change your way of thinking? Like, why aren't you using your, your penalty killers in a six on five situation? Why are you putting guys that you wouldn't necessarily have out on the PK unless you absolutely had to because of injuries or, you know, whatever. Um, And it's just a strange thing. But it's something now where we've seen it enough times this year that it's starting to become a bit of a troubling pattern, right? And last night especially, it was really costly because unlike maybe some of the games earlier this year, the Jets weren't able to survive their own self-inflicted wound and still get the point. And they came out of it, you know, one point short. Yeah, well, and Manny Fran in chat mentioning correctly that Stenny wasn't particularly good in the faceoff dot last night, but none of them were. And no. I mean, we're only one game removed from him being relied on for faceoffs against that high-powered Edmonton power play, almost exclusively, and then getting off when uh, when they when they had that opportunity. Um, so, I mean, these are some of the things that have come out of last game. Um, obviously, there's no time to sit around and uh, feel sorry for themselves because, as we mentioned, this is an absolute meat grinder of a schedule over the course of the next couple of weeks. Um, fill us in on, oh, first of all, what did you ma- make of Bones after the game? Um, because, I mean, there obviously was a lot of disappointment from uh, everyone connected with the Winnipeg Jets, the way that game went. Um, he did talk about, you know, the fact that they did do a number of things right. They're probably winning that game more often than not. Credit to James Reimer and all that. Um, but fill us in on what you thought about what he had to say last night and how that maybe changed to today at practice and uh, what this team uh, got after. Yeah, I mean, 
look, there's only so many buttons a coach can publicly push, right? And we've seen Rick Bonus at times kind of lean into his team publicly. Um, last night wasn't the night, I don't think, to do that. And look what's happening in Tampa Bay, right? Like John Cooper, guy that's won, been to three straight cups and he's won two. Like he went the nuclear option the other day, benched his three best players for the entire third period, um, sent a hell of a message in doing that. And then how did, what was the the lightning response the next day? Get absolutely caved in by Carolina with four shots through two periods and ultimately lose six, nothing. Um, so, you know, I think with Rick Bonus, you know, there's obviously conversations happening behind the scenes. And I'll say this, Haas, I imagine there's still some frustration with some of his high-end top players and their inconsistency. So, you know, I don't necessarily include Blake Wheeler in that anymore because I don't, you know, I think Blake Wheeler, he's not now one of your four or five best offensive players. He's just not. But I'm looking at guys like Kyle Connor, who we talked about, who I, I Kyle Connor is just really fighting it right now. You know, Mark Shifley didn't have a particularly great game last night in a game where you could have used something from him. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, Dubois, you know, he missed practice today. He's clearly battling something. He's not 100%. It was his first game back. Um, you know, I thought Nikolai Ehlers was a little bit better last night. He played a little bit more, so the coach clearly you know, trusted him to use him a bit more. He had the great assist, obviously, on the Nate Schmidt goal. Um, you know, you can't include Nino Niederreiter. Nino Niederreiter was the best Jet, you know, by a mile last night. He was tremendous in that game, almost single-handedly, you know, kind of willing his team into the fight. Um, but I just think the Jets, they need more from their best players. Um, and they're not getting it enough, nearly enough, uh, lately. And... You know, it stands out. And look at last night, right? San Jose ultimately gets two big goals from their two best players, and they win the game. Um, the Jets get goals from Nita Ryder, who just came just came to the team, and Nate Schmidt, who, you know, was a healthy scratch. They could have used something from a Connor, an Ehlers, a Shifley, a Dubois. Um, so I, I got to think that there's some challenges being made behind the scene uh, to, for these guys to step their game up when it matters most. I mean, as much as we want to debate things, Huss, like who's on the fourth line, you know, who's the third pairing defenseman? Is it Sandberg? Is it Stanley? Is it Capobianco? Is Axel in the lineup or Gagne or Kuhlman? Those are not things that are going to win or lose a whole lot of hockey games. It's your best players. And, you know, Connor Hellebuck has obviously had some struggles over the last few games, although he was great in that third period against Edmonton. Uh, he gets the night off last night. He'll be back in the net tomorrow. They need Hellebuck, obviously, to be the Hellebuck that we know he is. But they need their best scorers to start scoring. And that starts on the power play, but also at five on five. If, th if this team is going to go anywhere this season and make any kind of damage, they need their best players leading the way. Oh, I, I could not agree with you more, Mike. I mean, you know, and listen, we're guilty of this because, um, you know, we're talking about it all day, every day. Uh, and yeah, we're focusing in on that sick defenseman who's in and whatnot and, uh, you know, who's playing on the fourth line. This is pretty simple. When the Winnipeg Jets are playing well, when their top players are playing well, when the difference makers are making a difference in a yep. positive fashion, this team's going to win. When their best players are not producing and the opposition is, 
well, you get a stretch like this right now where the Winnipeg Jets have two wins in their last 10 games and have watched everybody else in the Western Conference and the Central Division make up considerable ground on them. And uh, tell you what, as we've talked about this schedule beginning tomorrow with the Minnesota Wild, this is going to be an incredible test for this hockey club as to, like, the Winnipeg Jets, never mind haven't raised their level of game. I think you can make the argument that they've really slipped back over the course of this last little while while everyone else is doing the opposite. And this is the time where you need to ramp up your game because the playoffs are right around the corner and you need to be ready for it. But we might not even be talking about playoffs if the Winnipeg Jets can't get it together and most importantly, grind out some points coming out of a very difficult schedule coming up and making the most of the few games they have on the schedule against teams that are destined for the lottery like last night. Huss, we've been we've seen this core now for a number of years. Um, you know, there's been a few changes to it, but more or less, it's the same high end guys. And we've we've heard, you know, end of last season, years before, the frustration, the disappointment. Rick Bonus has constantly told us this year, it's not about a lack of caring. These guys care. They want nothing more than to win. And I believe him. I, I really believe these players want to do it. But you know, to put it bluntly it's time to put up or shut up like it really is. And that's why, you know, they wanted a coach that would hold them more accountable than what they had in the past. They were the leaders, the core, they were vocal about that. So they brought in Rick bonus and by all accounts or most accounts, he's delivered on, on what they wanted him to do. Um, He's holding them accountable in ways that maybe they weren't in the past. Uh, but that's where I think Kevin Shoveldayoff, he's probably learning a lot about what makes this core tick and where he goes, you know, as early as this summer with this group. And so, yeah, what we see from this core in the coming days and weeks now um, is going to be very telling. And it's kind of on their shoulders. Look, the Jets are still in a position where they control their own fate. They don't need help. Right. They, they don't. They don't need other teams to do their dirty work for them. The Jets still, they can go out and and determine what's going to happen. Um, they don't have as much room now as they did before, but they still have that ability. So let's see as the games get tougher and tighter and the stage gets bigger, are these guys up for the challenge? And if they're not... Time to bring some new new guys in, I would say. Well, I mean, I think that is coming in the summer. And to be honest, I think that they uh, saw quite a bit from this core and from this team over the course of the past month. And I think that was a big reason why there wasn't more action in and around the yeah. deadline. I and mean, certainly that's just a, my, my opinion on it. Um, but as I said, you're exactly right. I mean, this is, uh, this is a crucial time for the Winnipeg Jets. And um, you need these guys to step up. And I will say this, I'm interested in your thoughts on this. The, the healthy scratch of Nate Schmidt, which was very clearly noted, this is a healthy scratch. We didn't like what happened the yeah. night before. I mean, it kind of comes back to that level of accountability. I'm sure if you pump truth serum into Rick Bonus, he's thought about doing exactly that with some of the guys that we've just mentioned, the most important players on the team. And I sort of took that as, all right, Nate's the guy that's going out. It's a lot easier to do that because the fact of the matter is we need these guys to step up, but maybe a shot at, hey, high-paid veteran players, it doesn't matter. They can be sat out too. And even though it was a defenseman on a lower pairing, I kind of thought that that was maybe an announcement to the rest of the team that 
um, no one is above it. And um, he might have to make some considerations to doing that for some other players. Although in the short term, with all of these games and points being so important, it is hard to make the argument that it gives you a better chance to win. And maybe the time having the ability to do that is sort of lost after the way this last six weeks has gone, despite now maybe being the time where it would have the most effect on the rest of the club. For sure. And that's the juggling act, right? If you're John Cooper in Tampa and you know you've got, you know, you're locked in basically to finish second or third, um, and you've got the 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 track record that you have, like you can afford to quote lose the battle on a given day in in an attempt to win the war, as the old saying goes. Like John Cooper. Right, for sure. The Jets, though, they don't necessarily have that luxury. But I agree 100%, Huss. That was a shot across the, the bow with with Nate Schmidt. I mean, Nate, Nate Schmidt's the most positive guy on the team. Everybody loves Nate Schmidt. And that would have been a, oh, my goodness, if Nate Schmidt can be sat for a game, then anybody can be sat. And we've seen Rick Bonus at times, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nikolai Ehlers, um, they've had their ice time cut. They've they've moved down to other lines. Uh, I think folks would like to see a little more of that when it comes to maybe some players, and maybe the Jets now like they they're they're the deepest they've been all year. Huss, right? They o- only Cole Perfetti is injured. At one point they had seven guys injured. Now they have one. Um, they also have Nita Ryder and Nemestikov here now. This is the deepest, most talented lineup Rick Bonus has had available. So. Now would be the time to really lean on the guys that are going and to pull back on the guys that aren't. And that should go for everybody. But again, the Jets, like this is on them. This is in their hands. It starts tomorrow. They're going to face a team that they're now chasing in the standings, a team that they were looking down on not very long ago. Um, And a team that kicked their ass earlier this season. And I don't think that's lost on anybody. It shouldn't be. So this is a big test tomorrow. We'll see how they respond because they know after tomorrow, um, three really tough road games in four days and then the best of the bunch coming in here and then back on the road for three more. Like they're playing, or sorry, two more in in Nashville and and St. Louis. I mean, they're, they're playing five of their next six on the road after tomorrow. Um, and the one home game is is against the, the most potent opponent in the league. Um, so things could go south in a hurry here if they can't get their act together. Hey, positive take. Maybe this is exactly what this team needs. I mean, to really, truly be tested. Sure. Now, I'll say this. Uh, Rick Bonus did say, you know, that last weekend against Colorado and then after that game going into the Islanders game that, you know, sometimes the game tests your character and your pride. This is that time. Well, they did not get a passing grade for the way they handled that. But um, I think it's a little bit of urgency, a little bit of desperation and maybe getting away from home and having to step up and play against some of the best teams in the league is exactly what this team needs to both get their act together to a consistent form closer to what they were doing when they were winning way more hockey games earlier on in the season. Um, because first of all, you got to get your playoff spot. But also, I think that if that does happen, 
maybe this sort of adversity and challenges, if they can rise to the occasion, which is a big if, I think, if you ask some people with the way the last six weeks have gone, will be the uh, will be a good test. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. It's a huge, huge game against a very good Minnesota Wild team that maybe fortunately is taking on the Calgary Flames tonight. And um, that'll be a part of the score we're watching this evening. Uh, just before we go, Mike, fill us in on practice today. Uh, what were they doing? What were they working on? And uh, we're going to hear a little bit from Bones after you uh, jump on. But uh, the, the general vibe around the uh, the club today, working on some things after uh, a disappointing end to a game that overall was a pretty good performance by the team. Yeah, and I don't think anybody was hanging their heads. Um, and nobody's feeling sorry for themselves because they know – this, the, the, the league is pretty unforgiving, right? Nobody's feeling bad for the Jets. Nobody's going to take pity on them. It's on them. As as expected, power play work was front and center today. And, you know, it's interesting with no Pierre-Luc Dubois at practice, Rick Bonus says he will play tomorrow. Uh, he just took today for maintenance. Obviously, he's still not completely healed from that injury. Vlad Nemestikov filled in on that top power play unit um in Dubois place he would be a placeholder obviously um so that that was a primary focus for sure um no doubt the Jets will be watching the uh the Flames and the Wild tonight and uh, I suppose the the worst thing that could happen for Winnipeg would be a three-pointer uh they just want I mean they obviously would like Minnesota to win that in regulation because right now they should be more worried about who's chasing them than who's ahead of them Um, So Calgary coming in, they're playing on a back-to-back, and then Winnipeg will get Minnesota on a back-to-back. Interesting too, Haas, I don't know if you looked ahead to the schedule, when the Jets play the Panthers on Saturday night, they will actually be playing Florida on a back-to-back because Florida, they're playing Friday night at home, I believe it's to the Blackhawks. So an interesting scenario where Winnipeg will be in Florida, but the Panthers have another game uh, before they play uh, against uh, against the Jets. So, you know, their next two opponents will be playing for a second straight night. Can Winnipeg take advantage of that? Um, as, as Remus puts the uh, lines up here, one other interesting change is Morgan Barron, who I thought had a really good game yesterday. Um, he he kind of switches places with Appleton. Last night it was Appleton, uh, sorry, Barron with Lowry and Nemestikov. Now it's Appleton back with Lowry and Nemestikov. I, I liked what that third line has done. Um, I know I was critical of the Jets not doing more at the trade deadline, and I, I stand by that because I still think this was the year to really think big and try and take advantage. I'll say this, Haas, though. I have really liked both ads that Kevin Sheveldayoff made, and the price was certainly right. You know, a second and, what, a fourth-round draft pick? Niederreiter has been terrific, and Nemestikov looks like the kind of guy that the Jets really could use. Uh, so two good ads, and both guys now in the top nine. And, the you know, it looks like it's going to be the same healthy scratches again tomorrow in Gagne, Kuhlman, AJF, and presumably Gossifson, who is probably just a placeholder today on that second line. The other change, though, Huss, as you notice here, is Ehlers is now up. Ehlers and Connor switch lines at practice today. Ehlers with Shifley and Niederreiter. That could be a lot of fun. And, you know, again, I would imagine Dubois goes with Connor and Gustafson. We've seen that at times this year, right? Like Dubois and Connor, and then they then they get separated. I think we'd all agree 
that when Kyle Connor's been at his best and maybe when Pierre-Luc Dubois has been as, at his best, it's when those two guys are playing together. So it looks like that's back in the cards tomorrow uh, after a bit of separation. Yeah, no, it will be interesting. And yeah, I totally echo your thoughts. I think Nemetsnikov's played two really strong games for the Winnipeg Jets and Nito Niederreiter was the best Jet on the ice last night. Yeah. Um, and that is a little bit concerning when you're, you're picking up two guys that were deemed expendable by for their clubs, and they come in uh, and you know have sort of been leading the way for uh, for a team right now. Uh, hopefully, the rest of the gang can uh, follow suit in this big one tomorrow night. You're you're on this next road trip, right? I am. I get my bingo card uh, filled on Saturday night uh, with the uh, game in Sunrise. That will. That will be my 32nd and final uh, stop in the NHL. That's the one the one market I have yet to cover a Jets game in. So looking forward to uh, seeing Paul Maurice and company. And Haas, I'm actually flying out on uh, on Thursday, a couple days early. Kenny Weeb's on the trip as well, as, as you probably know. Both Kenny and I are big baseball fans. So we're actually, we've, we've planned quite the trip around this three-game Jets trip. We're also going to take in three spring training games, uh, one on Friday evening, one on Sunday afternoon involving the Blue Jays in between Jets morning skate and the Jets game in Tampa, and then Monday afternoon in Dunedin involving the Jays before we fly to Raleigh on Monday night to then cover Tuesday's morning skating game. So three hockey games, three spring training games. Not sure if we'll be able to sneak in a round of golf, maybe a little bit of sleep. Should be a fun trip. Well, I'm looking forward to a full report when you join us next week from the road. And uh, we'll see how things are going for the Winnipeg Jets. Because in the meantime, Minnesota, Florida, Tampa Bay, three big, big games for the Winnipeg Jets against very tough opponents. And even the Florida Panthers have been so disappointing this year. You want to talk about a desperate hockey club. um, That is the Panthers right now with their spot you know, in the uh, below the playoff line right now and trying to get back above it with a very limited number of games left compared to the other players around them. Mike, thanks so much for doing this as always. You betcha, Huss. Enjoy the week. Good stuff. You read all about it in the Winnipeg Free Press. That is our guy, Mike McIntyre. Um, all right, gang, if you weren't aware, March 29th uh, of three weeks tomorrow is going to be the second ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Sports Trivia Night over at Little Brown Jug. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, check our socials for a link to get tickets for the event. And if you're with us right now, I've just thrown the link into the YouTube chat. Pop in there, get your tickets. Hope to see everyone that was out there last time. Well, man, it was a great turnout and what a great night that was. And if you missed it, make sure you count yourself in. Tickets are limited, so... Make sure you get yours, and uh, hopefully we'll see you there down with our friends over at Little Brown Jug in the uh, in the exchange over on, Will- on William Avenue. Um, quick update from the Briar this afternoon. Huge game right now between Brad Gushu and Brendan Botcher. Gushu, 4-1. Botcher, 5-0. Oh. Uh, it was singles. And uh, two consecutive steals by Gushu has the uh, defending champs up 3-1 after the fifth. And other matchups today, uh, Quebec up on the uh, wildcard team. Saskatchewan and Nova Scotia 6-5 right now. And uh, battle of un- of winless teams, Jamie Cooey in Northwest Territories up 6-3 on the Newfoundland and Labrador rink. Um, good news this morning, Matty Dunstone and the uh, Manitoba rink continues to roll. 
They beat Nova Scotia 8-4. Dunstone and the gang are 4-0. and And they're playing again tonight, taking on the other Manitoba team, Reed Carruthers. Hopefully that one will be the feature game on TSN. 4-0 Dunstone, 2-2 Carruthers. That one will be tonight on TSN. Of course, all of our curling reports are brought to you by our great friends at Princess Auto, proud sponsors of both the World Curling Tour, Reed Carruthers team, and Team Jennifer Jones. And Princess Auto is also where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations, Panit Road, Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, our friends at Culligan Water have been the experts in the water business, family-owned for over 65 years with everything Manitobans need when it comes to their daily water supply. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems and drinking water systems, not to mention citywide water delivery services and commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give them a call at 694 5180 and you can always check out everything that Culligan can do for you and your family online at drinkculligan.com. And, of course, a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club, title sponsors of the Great Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, which went off to a raging success on the weekend, all in support of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. A little bit before we're in IG Field, Kraken, CC, and Ginger's, but in the meantime, before bomber season, you can pick up the great taste of Canada's favorite Canadian whiskey, Canadian Club, the original at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and CC and Gingers in cans available at your local beer store uh, in all likelihood as well. Hey, just before we get Remo back in here, big day tomorrow, second anniversary. I think we're working on a little birthday cake from uh, our friends over at the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Of course, if you're thinking about a delicious ice cream or blizzard cake for a party or event, you can hit them up on Instagram if you'd like at DQ Manitoba. Let them know exactly what you're looking for. They'll custom make it and get it ready for you for a quick and easy pickup at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And while you're there, grab a blizzard, maybe one of those flamethrower burgers or uh, any of the amazing stack burgers on the menu as well. Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's for our friends at the Nick and Nicky DQ. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remus, I do want to get to the cool bet lines and look at a busy, busy night in the National Hockey League, but uh, sounds like we've got a little bit of uh, bones from practice earlier today. Yeah, a lot of talk today about last night's game, of course. Face-offs, a topic. Jeff asking specifically about an icing that took place uh near the end of the game that we have discussed all show. And also about Minnesota Wild, uh, Bones expecting to see some emotion from the club. And we're all hoping to see a nice spirited game as it always is. Although uh, the Wild have really had the Jets number this year, but it's at home. Biggest, can we throw around biggest game of the year? It seems like every game now is biggest game of the year. You know what? Just, Absolutely. Uh, tomorrow, biggest game of the year. Someone Up was until this point. And then we'll say it again on Saturday when they're taking on. Although, I mean, this one is big. And, of course, Calgary, we'll get to this, but Calgary is in Minnesota tonight and then the Wild coming here. Um, we'll get to the readiness for the Wild in just a second, Remo, but let's get to the second clip. Um, 
Bones was asked if the team's playing too tight at the end of games because this is not the first time that you know the Jets have been victimized with the opposition goaltender pulled. So yeah, you walk a fine line there um, when you're on like this, and there's a different energy on the bench and in the room when you're playing like Edmonton, the puck's going in, and then there's a different energy when okay, we know we're playing well, and the puck's not going in. So there is a different type of energy, um, and, but you just have to persevere and you have to keep pushing through it. Uh, again, uh, things that control what you can control. And we, we controlled the, uh, the tempo of the play last night, the pace of the play last night. We didn't control the end result because we didn't score a goal. Um, so that's uh, that's always disappointing. So that's why you walk that fine line. All right, Rick Bonus from uh, practice earlier today. This just in. Um, here's another one from Bones. And he mentioned this last night that they did generate plenty of chances few open nets that didn't uh, that weren't cashed in on and um, bones kind of expanded today on the team just not capitalizing some of the chances that they have been creating so you have different conversations where you're not creating offense right um, you can you can so we're creating out we, we did last night uh, clearly um, you go after them hard because they're not scoring that's going to make it worse that's just going to really tighten it up. We, we encourage the fact that we're getting those chances and we're showing with these chances. you got to keep doing this. Eventually the puck will go in. All right, a couple more from Bones, kind of focusing around last night. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about just how ugly those face-off numbers and how it did end up really biting them in the last couple minutes. Bones was asked if players other than centers can help with face-offs. We always talk about face-off, uh, being prepared for every face-off. Win or lose, knowing what you're supposed to do. So yes, um, it, it, neutral zone, ozone, the, the center needs help from the wingers to dive in there, find the puck and throw it back. In the defensive zone, he needs help from the defenseman to dive in there and help. So uh, it's not just on the sentiment. If the sentiment ties up the puck and they beat us to a loose puck, then that's on that guy getting beat to a loose puck that's not on the centerman so they yeah they do need help and it's in different zones different responsibilities and yeah we expect people to be in there and help it well uh bones on uh, face-offs and how it is more than just the centerman but uh winning a couple draws certainly could have helped them late last night now uh, here's that i believe this is paul friesen of the winnipeg sun who um asked adam lowry about face-off issues right now for the team yeah, you know, some nights it goes your way in the circle and some nights it doesn't. Um, that's what I'd say. You know, it's disappointing. Obviously, I'd like you to win one late, but that's not the case. When you have a bad day at the dot, is it uh, something you're not feeling right or is it the other guy just has your number, typically? Uh, you know, I, I think it's a bit of both. Sometimes you kind of get out of, you know, your time is a little off. Ideally, I think that last drop should have been blown dead and redropped. But so, you know, sometimes yeah, you're not getting a good read out of the linesman's hand. Sometimes the other guy's a little quicker than you. So you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Adam Lowry discussing uh, face-offs, which was obviously a huge topic coming out of last night. Now, the other thing that you know was uh, mentioned quite a bit in today's chat, we did discuss with Mike, was um, you know the uh, opportunity to clear the puck, which ended up as an icing from Blake Wheeler. And I believe Jeff, this is Jeff Hamilton asking Bones about um, that crucial icing in the final minute of the game. I mean, there's a lot of chat from fans after the game about, you know, the 
play the, the final whatever the final minute or the final show where, where Blake decided to shoot the puck at the net. Now I know he's really good at scoring empty net goals, but do you even have to have a conversation with him about that play or is that they're retired? You you have to get it out, and sometimes you the, you know again the emotion takes over and you put a little bit more juice on it than you want. So you know uh, sometimes when you're tired, uh, yeah you you do ice it just so you can get a breather because. You know, if you if you don't if you get it to center ice, they're coming right back at you. So, you know that's going to happen. All right, there's uh, bones. I, I mean, listen, kind of a tough answer. I'm sure behind closed doors, he'd say uh, maybe it a little more sternly. Um, but there is an element of supporting players, but also pointing out you have to execute those opportunities because they can be crucial, and they certainly were as it was last night. Here's just bones on what his message to his team was today at practice, getting ready for the Minnesota Wild tomorrow. Well, we got to, you know, we, we talked about it immediately after last night's game. Okay, we move on tomorrow morning when you come to the ring. I want a positive attitude. I want us ready to go to work, and I want us to get ready for Minnesota. So that was my message right after the game last night. And the guys worked hard today. Uh, we're not going to come in here today and hang our heads because we lost a point. We're going to come in and get ready for tomorrow, and that's what we did. All right, all systems go, uh, focusing on tomorrow night against the Minnesota Wild. And here is one more from Jets head coach Rick Bonus on his team's readiness for the Wild, who were playing some great hockey as of late. We, we went over some things that we have to do well today in practice tomorrow against the neutral zone. They play that 1-3-1. One, one. Uh, it's hard to get through there carrying the puck, so we worked on things getting through there. We worked on our forecheck to try to slow them down, make them spend more time in their zone. So they're a good hockey club. They've been getting fantastic goaltending. And, um, they, yeah, they played. They both played us in the two games that we played them. Now it's up to us to outplay them tomorrow. What's your read on the club's collective con- uh, confidence right now? Uh, if you look at how we played last night, they're feeling good about how we played. Uh, you know, they, you always want the, you know, the puck when it against Edmonton. It didn't go in last night. You know, so you get six on Edmonton plus the empty netter, obviously. And then last night you have more opportunities and you get two. So, um, so I think they're happy with the way they played. They're not happy with losing that point and not getting the goals that we know uh, we needed to score at the at the right time. All right, so there's Rick Bonus post practice, and you know what, uh, Reem. I'm going to take Bones's advice, basically his message from the team from last night. I'm going to take that today. We're going to move on. We're going to come in with a positive state of mind tomorrow for a huge home game against the Minnesota Wild before the team hits the road. I find like with some of these losses, like you're like, oh man, like that was so bad and what's going on with this team. But then on game days, you just get so fired up for the game and you're like, feel like they got a good shot. I'm looking forward to seeing... Minnesota, a bit of a new look with some of their additions. Uh, Marcus Johansson was one of them, Oscar Sundquist and John Klingberg. So it's always a good game, and hopefully the Jets can uh, hold up their end of the bargain because there's been a couple against Minnesota lately. Uh, where... The Jets owe Minnesota one. Yes. The Jets absolutely owe Minnesota one. Yes. Um, we remember a couple of those games earlier in the season, in particular one exceptionally ugly loss to the Minnesota Wild. And hopefully that's in, uh, you know, I mean, that is another test. I mean, Rick Bonus talked about a test of character and pride that the team's going through right now or was, you know, we referred to it coming off of that game against the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, maybe a little reminder about, um, you know, the, what had happened earlier in the season. 
Um, certainly won't be uh, completely out of mind. Uh, it's your boy, Bruce. If the Jets really care about us, they will get a win on WST birthday tomorrow. I agreed. That's all we want. Two points tomorrow night in a big, big uh, divisional game. Hey, um, tonight, though, if you're looking for something to do, folks, big one down at the Ice Cave. Ice back at home following a 10-game road trip after going 8-2, and two, taking on the Medicine Hat Tigers tonight. And the Ice can be the first team to win 50 games this season, 49-9-1 so far in 59 games played. And uh, Zach Benson, who we will have on the show later on this week, Three points shy of 100, second in league points, trailing only Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats. And I know you Winnipeggers love a great deal. This is the last two for Tuesday of the season. Big savings, two tickets for 24 bucks, two hot dogs for 8 bucks, two beers for 10 two popcorns for the price of one. Great deals tonight, so uh, get on uh, down to the uh, ICE website if you want to grab your tickets. Two for Tuesday tonight, ICE taking on the Medicine Hat Tigers. I'm really looking forward to having Zach Benson on later on, uh, Remo. We've spoken with a number of players on the ice over the last couple of years. We haven't had Zach on, um, and we'll not only talk about the monster season that he's having, but always interesting talking to young men, high draft prospects. And, of course, we know that Zach Benson will hear his name called in the top 10, potentially even the top five when we get to Nashville in a few months for that draft. Yeah, looking at the WHL scoring leaders, there's Connor Bedard, got 123 points in uh, 48 games, but right behind him, Zach Benson, uh, 97 and 58. So Zach Benson's second. Another one, you know, amazing. You look at the top 10 in scoring in the WHL. Uh, Matthew Savoy, number five. Connor McLennan, number six. Uh, I know they didn't, you know, the playoffs didn't end the way uh, they wanted it to last year, but. Uh, they're running it back this year, has a lot of the same guys, and uh, hopefully you know, it's a deep one for them, but looking forward to have Zach on. As we've never had him on, and yeah, it's a big year for him in terms of on the ice, but also off the ice with the draft coming up, and we're, look, we're looking forward to hearing his name called uh, this summer in Nashville. You've got lots of love for the ice in the, uh, in the chat. Um, Mary Jane says, I agree with you, Huss, but we need a positive attitude tomorrow's game and bring good vibes to the boys. We'll... Uh, We'll be back in a very positive state of mind tomorrow for a big game. And here's an interesting one, uh, uh, Remo, from Mitch, the godfather, WHT. Uh, I dress Big Stan versus Minnie. We did see um, Stanley with Schmidt today in practice, and it was Sandberg with Capobianco. I'm not sure if that's maybe tipping the hand a little bit, but um, would not be surprised, actually, now that Mitch has brought it up, if Stanley does get that opportunity tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild after missing the last couple of games after a pretty ugly night and being sat in the press box on Saturday after that loss in Edmonton on Friday night. Yeah, well, I'll have to wait and see tomorrow what the lines are, but as of now, unless you know something major changes, Dubois expected to play, which was great news. As uh, David Gustafson, what, the placeholder there with Connor and Wheeler, Ehlers, Shifley, Niederreiter, and I know Mike touch, touched on these, Nemesnikov, Lowry, Appleton, Menelein, and Stenlin, Barons. you got the Baron-Apple switch. I got to say, I didn't really mention Nino. I mean, this guy's basically been as advertised. Uh, Unreal. Three points in four games. Give me a Nino, 62. We had a good jersey. Nino chant at the game last Man, night He's got well. a great, great chantable. How did his goal song uh, go over? Disco Inferno. It went good. It didn't seem to be played for a really long time. I'm not sure. Like, it took me a little bit to 
catch it. And then obviously it was up on the screen for everyone to see. But uh, I think uh, there was quite a bit of cheering at that moment. We weren't as much focused in on the uh, on the goal song. By the way, Coops, waving from Texas here. Good show. Thanks, Coops. Always great to have people jump in and check out what we're doing here from uh, from elsewhere. Um, all right, let's get to the cool bet lines before we finish up because this is a big, big night in the National Hockey League. Vegas and Florida tonight. <laughs> the Florida Panthers, um, they need every single point that they can get. Very similar to the Winnipeg Jets, although even more desperate because they're in a four-way tie for 68 points, having played the most games of those teams. They're at home, minus 152 favorites against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Hurricanes minus 361 in Montreal. Leafs plus 118 underdogs in New Jersey against Whoa. the Devils. Leafs have gone from the West Coast to the East Coast for this one. Devils in their first game back after a long road trip. Penguins minus 302 favorites against uh, Columbus. And the Tampa Bay Lightning. Losers of, what, five, six in a row? Got pumped 6 nothing by the Carolina Hurricanes on Sunday. Very interested to see what they do tonight against the lowly Flyers. Tampa, minus 289. Favorite for this game tonight. Buffalo, got to have this one taken on the New York Islanders. Sabres lost last night to the Oilers. Islanders, minus 170. Sabres, plus 144. Massive game for one of those wildcard spots in the East. And the one that Winnipeg fans will be watching very closely, the Minnesota Wild, minus 142 home favorites against the Calgary Flames. Calgary making up a point last night on the Winnipeg Jets. Now six back uh, with even games played. Calgary plus 121 on the road. Blues minus 145 in Arizona against the Coyotes, who are plus 123. And the Avalanche, a big heavy minus 345 favorite against the Sharks that we saw last night. Uh, two other games, actually, no, one other game, Ducks and Kraken in Seattle. Seattle's sitting pretty right now in a playoff spot, minus 311. Home favorites, also got some curling. And in tonight's matchup, we'll give you one matchup, and that, of course, is the all-Manitoba matchup between Matt Dunstone and Reed Carruthers, a uh, rematch of the Manitoba final which was won by the Dunstone rink. Manitoba minus 345. Reed Carruthers in the wildcard two team. Plus 247. Get on over to CoolBet. If you haven't played a CoolBet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit for a 100% bonus up to $200. Uh, it's on the agenda for you tonight, Reem. Uh, I'm playing no Jets. I'm playing hockey tonight. Actually, I'm I'm pretty fired up, but I'll be keeping an eye on all of these games and maybe uh, editing some videos here that will throw up on the channel. Um, but uh, I got I'm on the ice myself, so I'm looking forward to it. I haven't played as much as I would like to lately with uh, you know young four month old <laughs> daughter at home, but happy to get out of the house when I can. Well, uh, good luck with that. I'm going to be doing a little scoreboard watching. I'm definitely going to tune in. I, as I say, I really hope that this Manitoba matchup uh, with the Dunstone and Carruthers is on TSN. We will check that out. And uh, other than that, just get ready for a big show tomorrow. Second anniversary oh, yeah. of WST tomorrow. And then the Wild coming in. Tomorrow actually will be good. It's International Women's Day. One of our favorite women, Jesse Pierce, is going to join us to tee up Jets and uh, and Wild. And, of course, we'll also have Murata Tesh on the program. And uh, I know Murata's a big fan favorite. So um, looking forward 
to making that happen and uh, hopefully seeing a different result than last night for the Jets in a huge game against uh, their division rivals, who they certainly owe one to for uh, what happened earlier this season. Hey, before we go, I know you wanted to, like, I was at the game last <laughs> night, but I caught a little bit of this smoke from Reem earlier yeah. uh, when, before we started the show. Um, but was that, where did last night's broadcast rank compared to the Canucks telethon infamous oh. game? Yeah, well, I'll say uh, Trevor Kidd also going to join us tomorrow. Kidder, Kidder's yes. doing a great job with Sarah on the Jets post game. So I'm watching the Jets. So the Jets have this run here on Sportsnet, and we know TSN is a regional broadcast rights holder, and I'm into all this broadcast, you know, sports media. So, so I'm watching the game, and the Jets, there's two games last night. The Jets are on Sportsnet 1, and Edmonton and Buffalo is on Sportsnet West, and... So that means, you know, Edmonton, Buffalo, the main game to basically the whole country. And we're kind of the B game. Like, I don't know why they do this. They show two games, but really only focus on the one game. So first intermission ends. And I don't know if I wasn't fully paying attention, but next thing I know, they're doing a feature on Rasmus Dahlin's charity work. And I actually like had no idea why they were showing showing this. It took me such a long time to realize. I'm like, oh, because it's the national game and... So it's just so, like, everyone is doing a great job, you know, the panel and all that, but it's just, like, how they structure this broadcast where they show two games and really just give the Jets the shaft. Like, don't show any highlights. Don't talk about the game at all during intermission. Um, I think it's just a disservice to the fans. Throw, and, throw Kenny and Rennie like, on I, in between know, periods. The guys are there. They're I, ready to I agree. go. You know they'd love to get a little more face time on the tube. Like, they need to, I agree. More. This is what this is about. More Rennie. During sports, like throw Ken and Ren on there during the intermission, like the panel, they're not talking about the Jets game, like the whole country, everyone else watching the Buffalo game. Like, why are we getting a feature on Rasmus Dahlin? I'm, you know, I just don't understand like these choices here. And it seems like the Jets always get the short end of the stick when it comes to the national broadcaster. So I want to say, I wanted to tweet it out, but I was like, yeah, you know what, I'll say, you know, we got a show here. I don't work for, for Twitter, I work for Winnipeg Sports Talk. That's right. And people, People in chat have requested requested the Remo rant at the end of the show, and I was annoyed yesterday watching it. Like, why? Like, why can't I hear about the game that I was watching during yeah. the intermission? What What a concept that would be. So there you uh, go. Zim says Edmonton Buffalo are two playoff teams. Well, Buffalo's not right now. I hope they will be, and they have a large <laughs> following in Southern Ontario. That's great, but that doesn't mean a damn thing to anybody here in Winnipeg watching so, the game so <laughs> in this so, local yeah. market. People agree with me in chat. Derek says, preach Remo, T. Konopoli, it's brutal. Dan Jets fan, we're nobodies on national stage. And T. Will also adding, if there's something Rennie absolutely wants, it's more FaceTime for Rennie. Yeah, there will be no complaints yeah. if so, we get a little K&R in between like periods. What? So let's, like, let's start lobbying for that because the guys do a great job and it's far more relevant to Jet fans watching that game in the Jets area then probably a very nice bit on Rasmus Dahlin's charity. Um, but let's face it, it's the it's the it's in between periods of a Jets Sharks game. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I know they're on Sportsnet like a number of times this week. We'll see what happens Wednesday. Like Saturday's the worst because they show four games at once. And so if you're watching any of the games, they don't spend like 30 seconds talking about if, the game. If that, usually the people that are on the panel are not even yeah. aware that the Jets are involved in a game. Yeah. So, 
We're talking about the Leafs' fourth line and, uh, you know, what uh, Connor McDavid's up to at uh, whatever that Anyway, well, we, we saw it in the playoffs, too, when, you know, the Jets would play the Oilers and they just would talk about McDavid the whole intermission. So, <laughs> I mean, we'll have to – Well, it's I don't know. It's something we'll watch on. But uh, And uh, people are asking, any good board ads? <laughs> Last game, oh, <laughs> the new promo is Original 6 against the Bruins. They're not doing, not doing Bergeron versus Shifley or – what would it be? Pasternak versus Connor. He hasn't been highlighted. <laughs> we'll have no, to that, see. That is going to be a, a who? That's going to be a tough one. But lots of hockey to get to before that, including a huge one tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild. Trevor Kidd, Jesse Pierce, Murata Tesh. It's going to be a heck of a show for our second birthday tomorrow. It's so much fun for our 500 show yesterday. The milestones continue. We will see you tomorrow. Huge thanks to uh, everyone that joined us today, including John Mattis and Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press. Great stuff from Rio cutting all that audio to get you the latest from Rick Bonus and Winnipeg Jets practice today. And a huge thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. And most of all, all of you, hit that red subscribe button if you haven't already, gang, and uh, give a thumbs up on your way out. We will see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, for a game day edition on our second anniversary of Winnipeg Sports Talk, live at 1 on YouTube. We'll see you then. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.